thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. And it's always the, the race sort of settles down. Yeah. Yeah, well, we're, we're following the 929 in. It's always the way the sort yeah. of race settles down into a bit yeah. of rhythm, and all of a sudden something goes on. And, uh, you know, one of the front runners, a, a car that has won this race, race yeah, before. Second last year, um, of course. Yeah, and. Uh, Suddenly. So here we are, the 929 Cup car comes in that's an hrt entry but we're still uh, trying to get a visual on the uh, renault number 91 that's a 936 one of these porsches in this category have numbers of famous old racing porsches of course they like to do that that's the k kramer car that's uh, going out and uh, they had a very good run at the nurburgring uh, 24-hour race last year, but we still haven't uh, seen where Herbert is. No, we haven't picked it up yet. No. Well, there's so much going on. There's a lot of cars out there. There's trucks out there. There's a 929. I'm sure Chris will be he's, in the Herbert pit by now. He's in sector two. Um... Maybe we could just go down to Chris and see um, if Chris is hearing us okay, whether you uh, have heard anything from the, the pit in Herbert, whether you're in there and what, what they're sort of preparing and whether they've heard anything over the radio. Uh, copy that. I'm just on my way down there, actually, because there's a flurry of activity going on. I was just in the, uh, the McLaren as well to try and get a quick word in with uh, uh, not Omar Jackson, but uh, uh, yeah. George currently behind that previous the uh, uh, slow puncture that they had. So they uh, all see that he had a boost issue oh. during the first yeah. hour raid. We're going to Axel Jeffries before, and that was uh, was about 12 laps. Didn't have the right boost pressure. Uh, so I'm just trying to move out of the way. So as soon as I make a yeah, well, we're not we'll sure where the car is, uh, Chris. At the moment, it's somewhere out on the circuit, and. Uh, Probably going around very slowly. That's not it, is it, uh, Stu? I don't think. No, that's on track. I mean, I'm trying yeah. to look in the pit lane as well, see if it's coming down there. Fabian Schiller's just done a stop, so he's probably going down to stick 25 litres in it, top the Merck yep. up. Yeah, that, that get speed car's been going well, hasn't it, uh, all the way through the race? Here it is. Here it comes in. Oh, now. did it? So it's oh, you're coming seeing down it? The pit I am. Doesn't look overly damaged. Is it bent? Is it the rear, yes. the rear wing's bent? Yeah. So yeah, well it's, that's it's gone in. So, but it's it's on four wheels and it's going in a straight line. So, fingers crossed, the, the Herberth guys can turn that around very quickly and get them back in the race. Well, there's the McLaren that was just mentioned. So that we, we, that's a, a mystery solved that uh, had lack of boost. Uh, actual Jeffries, of course, brought into that car at the last minute. Somebody you've raced with, I guess, in uh, historics. 
Yeah, no, Jeffries has done a little bit in historics. Uh, I believe he was in Abu Dhabi this last weekend as well yeah, in a Ferrari. Yeah. Certainly, certainly gets around a lot, drives a few cars. Yeah, he does. For different teams. Now, this is a lots of people coming. We might think about changing front discs. Um, uh, 15 hours, yeah, a bit early, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's really? probably a bit early now. Yeah. Um, you definitely would if you're, if, you're, if you're sort of 30, 40 minutes into a stint, you'd go and top up with 25 litres of yep, fuel, yep. get a new set of tyres on. Um, so we're having a bit of a recap. We'll see Robert Renault. Yeah, there he off. went. I guess so. Back end in. So two oh, possibilities. He's got caught up with a back marker because we only saw the end of it, and he yeah. was there was a back marker there, or he's been on some fluid. Yeah. Um, it'd be great if we could get a word with him if he's out of the car well, at all at some I'm point. Chris, well, I'm sure he'll, he'll hustle that one. And here is the uh, current result. And the Get Speed car now shown in the lead with uh, Fabian Schiller. Second place, Herbert. Well, that's going to all change, isn't it? And then uh, in third place, Eastland Racing Team Audi with uh, Shield Magnus has been one of the surprises of this race for me. Anyway, lots of speed from him. Then the Proton Huber competition car of Sergei Borisov currently. Tempto Racing is in fifth place, Dylan Pereira, followed by uh, Haas, the Antiguan, Antiguan team, and uh, Mika Panu is at the wheel of that car at the moment. Car collection is seventh, then eighth is a Century Motorsport BMW. That's been up as far as, as near as fourth place early on. And then Hoover, ninth. CP Racing Team, all-am squad of Americans, having a good run in 10th place. Century Motorsport, their second car in 11th. Uh, British GT champion Darren Leung at the wheel. Uh, 12th is uh, the uh, Peter Cox entry. Then it's the Santalock Junior team, their second car. Obviously, the first one went out. Uh, 14th is the Ebi Motors entry with the uh, Romanian leader there, then the Heart of Racing by SBS. And in 16th place, the Red Camel Jordan car leading a GT Cup uh, category with uh, the Broikers family and uh, Fabian Dans at the wheel at the moment. 17th is uh, Fac Auto, then uh, 18th is Racing One Ferrari, the other Ferrari. Uh, which is moving up the field, then uh, Pro Sport, followed by MRS Racing, Team Parker, the Bentley we talked about a lot, and 22nd place, uh, Tracy Crone, the oil uh, billionaire there in that uh, green car, 23rd is uh, Team Captain America by Bass Coton, uh, tongue tire there, 24th is the Qatari car with... Uh, group of uh, Qatari drivers plus Julian Hanses and then the uh, next page in uh, 25th place uh, we'll see it in just a moment coming up lots of Porsches in that so looking for 25th place and it's the, the Toro Verde uh, Tomlinson uh, Ginetta with Nico Prost of course has been in that wheel uh, car the K Kramer Racing Porsche the Red Ant in 27th the Razoon uh, more than racing uh, 
KTM leads uh, the uh, category in GTX, but that's been moving around. 2090 HRT Performance, 30 the uh, Ragdown, uh, the local car. We just heard from them recently. Then uh, Neuhofer Rennsport MRS car, 31. 30. Second place is the uh, McLaren. We just heard it had a boost problems. That's why it's right down there. George Nakas at the wheel. And uh, 33, the, the, the Vortex, our little French car that we, we love. And then the uh, Seb Lajoux car in the 34th uh, Porsche, then the SMP racing, the, the Russian X Formula 1 drivers, two of them in that car, 35th, 36th, uh, the second in the Baskoten car, 37. Lots of problems for a car that usually goes well, that, that team having moved into the Porsche, it's new for them, they usually in TCR, home guard from uh, Denmark, 38th is Facolto, Swiss group in that car, and they're all guys that race uh, mainly in... Uh, in historic racing, or not uh, Nico Verdon though. Continental Raceway 39, 40 is the Century Motorsport uh, first. Uh, that uh, GTM with uh, Rihanna Amira Hunt uh, making a bit of a headline or two here. Then uh, the Simpson Motorsport uh, M4 GT, the Colin uh, White's car, uh, 42nd, the G55, the HRT performance car. Simpson Motorsport, we saw that car in the Pittsburgh province, the 45th, the AC Motorsport. In the 46th place, the SRS team, Song Rensport. Then the Dragon car, obviously we know it's out, Stuart's with us at the moment. Then the Lotus, number 48, the last two or three cars. Uh, coming there, CWS, uh, the second uh, Janetta, then uh, Grove Racing. They obviously had the big problems. Uh, with that car. Uh, Mauler Motorsport, Santa Lock Junior team, we know he's out with a steering problem. And then that uh, Russian driven car, also currently in the fuel area, the Song and the Leipzig car, never ready to start all 55 of the cars there. We thank Stuart very much for coming up, uh, and uh, we'd love to see you in that Ferrari again quite soon. You know, I, I think you ought to be in Le Mans with that car. Who knows? I'm still a silver. Yeah, and, still a silver. Yeah. And, and you know, lo and behold, it turns out I can still turn a lap time or two. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, up for rent. Excellent. Up for rent. Yeah. <laughs> so, Stuart, because uh, I first interviewed him when he was uh, a little callow youth of 15 sitting in the tea car at Brands Hatch in the paddock. And I still remember it, Stuart. <laughs> no, but no, what no, a career no. you've had, and a world champion, of course, in uh, in the. Uh, Pro-Am with Aston Martin and uh, GTE Pro-Am, that is. But uh, I suppose we should try and find out now what's happening down in the pits there and uh, with the Herbert Motorsport. Um, have we got any news? Maybe we can hear from Chris. Okay, okay. And I show you, you're right. Robert Renau said that he, oh, there was oil down. So, well read. He's a racing driver. He isn't is he? a racing driver. <laughs> it's great always to have Stuart up here, isn't it? Oh, brilliant stuff. He can sit in any time he wants, and he yeah. did promise he will come back. Yeah. And it's great to have Stuart uh, here. And interesting, he said he feels the Audi has got a bit more pace than everybody else. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so, yeah, Maybe yeah. that BOP is working in their, yeah, their favour yeah, at the moment. Uh, yeah. So. 
Now we've got the uh, course car out on the course, just doing some laps, just to have a look at the state of the uh -huh. race directors have gone out. And uh, I saw the BMW uh, going oh, now around. We, now we've got t two, two of our GTX cars running together, <laughs> so which we haven't no, seen before. Look, that's great. We got, uh, and the, they are together on the track the, the at 25 board. and 26 yeah. overall, oh. one and two in class. Well, yeah. this could get interesting. Yeah, so the, that's just... Um, Freddie Tomlinson at the wheel yeah, of that Freddie at the moment. Tom, yeah. They're both on their outlaps from yeah. fueling at the moment. So, yeah, they're right. The Vortex dropped back a bit. He's down in the 32nd place. and might have had a few problems. Um, but he's turned at the top now. And then they get speed car. And then Renau, surely that will start to drop back. It sounds as if it got away with it, but it went off so quickly. Oh, it did, yeah. yeah. And uh, when I had a look at that car coming into the pit lane, that rear wing was offset because, we, as you said, it did go in sort of backwards. Backwards, yeah. yeah. Back, I think, yeah. Interesting to see. So I think we've got a little bit of cleaning up happening out there yes. at various areas at the moment. Eight hours uh, into this race, just over eight hours into this race, as we can see recovery trucks uh, just getting repositioned. Uh, we, um, uh, so uh, a little bit of a chance to get everything tidied up again after eight hours of racing um, uh, so that uh, everybody can uh, have a, a reasonably clean track to uh, go green on. We haven't had any indication yet when we're going to go green um, on this one. We had that caption up, but things were changing as they were putting it up. So just to, to recap, that the, the Easterland car is in the lead by 25 seconds at the moment, and everything's neutralised, of course, right now. Martin Conrad, um, who must be the am in that car, I would think. We've got a recovery going yeah. on under underway at the exit of turn 11. I can see the flashing lights down oh, there. Yeah. They just went past something that is on the circuit. I'm not sure what oh, they're really? doing down there. It's uh, just before turn 11, and we had the recovery vehicles on the circuit. Is there another vehicle stopped out on the track? Because uh, we're just over 10 or nearly 15 minutes into this um, Code 60. This is the sixth one so far. Oil on track at turn one has been reported right and so Stuart Hall uh, ever the racing driver he knew that that driver couldn't go off like that uh, without something going horribly wrong car six will be recovered to the pits that's the uh, racing one Ferrari uh, okay that may be the one that it is stopped down there between turn um, uh, just before turn 11 because uh, we don't normally see the trucks go out unless there is something to be recovered and uh, so that may has made it well uh, uh, their way down to turn 11 and it will be recovered back to the pits as uh, this is going to get very interesting this GTX well, battle isn't it yeah it is well, it's been terrific well, it's only small just three cars but they're, they're, they're all quite closely matched they are indeed and uh, we'll see There's one front engine car and two rear engine cars and all kinds of different well, actually, the engines, in a way, two big thonking V8s in two of them. And then I'm pretty sure that KTO has got an Audi engine in it. I'm not 100% sure. It certainly used to. It used to. Yeah. Audi 3. Okay, this is the car that Swan Muller leads with the Russian drivers. Yeah, Sergei. Bolsov at the wheel at the moment, but uh, he's out of the car, so we will find out when they click over out of the fuel bay. 
and uh, get their 25 litres of fuel under code 60. No penalties can be served under code 60. We have a few of those at the moment. There's been a few issued for the... Uh, uh, the 14 is getting a 10-second time penalty for leaving the track and gaining an advantage. Ah. And then we've got some exceeding Code 60 time limits for the 54. Yeah, just to recap, the 14 is the second of the century motorsport yeah. BMWs. So, well, yeah. so uh, penalties cannot be served. If the two hours does expire, you have to do it on the next time you come into the pits. As the uh, course car had made its way around, it's back in the uh, the paddock at the moment. It's back out, just down in front of race control. So it's done. It's done the needful. Um, it has uh, circulated around. Uh, let the marshal point um, points know where there may have been issues. As. Uh, Around about nearly 20 minutes into this code 60. And everybody taking fuel on as required. And it was caused by oil being dropped. So there is some, um, some work going on down at turn one, apparently, to uh, uh, fix that oil up. So putting a bit of quick dry down on that. And that poses a question, who dropped it? Yes, where did that oil come from? Now, we did see um, a car also go off there just before the incident. So uh, it's going to be a little interesting to work out where that all um, came from. So, uh, but it's not like my car, which runs on a cost-loss system. Race cars are a little bit more particular than that. <laughs> yes. Coming uh, through, as you can see, you can see the, the uh, little rectangular screen to the right of the main dash yeah. has got the 60 lit up on it, so the drivers get in-car information when a Code 60 is going to happen, and that's going to go green when the Code 60 goes away. Yeah. So all the drivers know at the same time. Before we had this, if you were in between Marshall Post and around for a corner, you will not see the Code 60 going away for a little while. Uh, thumbs up to the pit ball. Um, you don't see that, and so Somebody behind you is just coming up to Marshall as it goes green. He's going to accelerate quicker yeah. than you. Uh, but with this system, everybody sees it at exactly the same time as race control release that. Riding with uh, Patrick Hoysman at the moment. Yeah, he just gave Tall his Dutch driver. He just gave the uh, pits the thumbs up that everything's okay. He's heading down into turn one. It looks like um, they may have um, just. Oh, yes, we've got the course vehicles down at Turn 1 as well, just uh, fixing that um, oil spill down there. It may take a little while. They've got to put the quick dry down there and possibly get the, uh, the sweeper down there to clean it up. Uh, we've got uh, the car now being recovered back to the pit, just uh, coming around Turn 14 on the back of the flatbed. We'll get a view of that as that comes down pit lane very, very shortly. I think the Renault car, uh, and maybe Chris can, can go and have another look down at uh, Herbert Motorsport, but uh, I think it's still in the, in the pit. But it's dropped to fifth, and it's, we've got a P showing there, so I'm assuming they're still working on it. Uh, been in the pits for 15 minutes yeah, now. Yeah, yes, so it has yeah. been in for 15 minutes. So it was more than just straightening the wing, wasn't oh, it? I think they would have to replace that wing. It, uh, it, it I, probably I'm, had broken the mount. Well, I'm, I'm wondering about, about the rear suspension. Yes, true.
uh, you de definitely don't want that to happen. So they get, they've got lucky. They've got code 60. Okay, they're not losing yeah. as much at a time if we were under green. Work going on at the moment down at turn one. I did see the vehicle start to drive away from there. We will get a uh, notification from race control and they will let us know um, that code 60 will finish under uh, in uh, under a minute. Yeah. You don't know quite when under a minute, but you sort of get the idea. Um, our leader just on an outlap now. Uh, the top three all on outlaps. The 54, uh, Gilles Magnus at the wheel of the uh, Iceland Racing Team Audi. Then the Get Speed with Martin Conrad at the wheel. The number nine car, the AMG Mercedes. And then the Proton Huber Competition Porsche with uh, Renat um, Salikov at the wheel in car number 83, running one, two, three in the GT3 category. Mika Panow back at the wheel of the Haas RT car in the fuel zone at the moment, currently leading the M1 category. The other thing that happened in all that was, of course, the 962 car, which was running second uh, behind Luke Broikers, uh, is, is in the pits and has been there for, for 20 minutes. So now, was he the, one of the others that went off? I can't Maybe recall. he was, but uh, anyway, you know, he, he was right in the, in the fight for a, a great result in the 992 category. And uh, you know, that's, that's uh, let the, the 909 Red Camel Jordan's car, um, given it a bit of leeway, really. Uh, and second now is the uh, pro sport car, Jorg of Weibahn, is now at the wheel of that. And he also leads the amateur section of 992. It's interesting, actually, uh, all the 992s, the only one that is in top eight, what I'm trying to say is second, third, fourth, and fifth amongst the 992s are all AMs. Yes. And then the second 992 uh, is actually down in sixth place, which is the Red Ant car, Jeff uh, Michaels at the wheel, the Red Ant family. Yeah. I like that. The family's called Redan, R-E-D-A-N-T, yes. and they call it the Red Ant, Ant. Team. Yes, it's they not, do. And they've got, and they've got nice the nice logos. Ant, Ant logo and everything all, all over yeah. the car. Easy to spot. Yeah. Great family story. Lots of family stories here this there are. weekend. Indeed, yes. Uh, with all of the families. Oh, there's the Racing One Ferrari being pushed back into the, the garage. So not a great... Uh, Dubai 24 hours for Ferrari. Yeah, Marco Pulsini at the wheel of that one as he comes in to the pits. And uh, what are they going to be doing? It's not a hurried stop, is no, it? There's uh, no urgency there. I'm still looking, I was looking at the looking rear at that, end. That rear end and they'll, they'll pull that, that rear clip off. Oh, there's a lovely shot, look. Oh, yeah. We're going to take that, that back section off. Now, what are they looking at? And we are back green at 15 hours, 38 minutes and three seconds to go as the back end is off of the car. We've got one, one of the... the uh, I saw this one coming out of the fuel bay um, uh, 
the lead car just going through yeah. there. It's, it looks like the left-hand inner of the um, wheel arch is hanging out the side of the car. Mm. It'll be interesting to have a look at that. I think it was one of the BMW GT4s, but I, I will sit corrected on that one if it is not. Uh, we'll probably get a look at that a little bit later on as we are under green flag racing. 21 seconds separate our top two on the road. Um, but the 54 and the 9, yes, Giant Racing Team and Get Speed getting that all up to, to speed at the moment. And in the lead, young Gio Magnus, guy that uh, started his, his racing career back in uh, about 1915. Uh, 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 2017, uh, he did very well in the uh, Formula Renault NEC series. He was second overall, but more recently he's been racing in the World Touring Car Championship. And then um, last year he was in uh, the uh, series, main series that uh, we used to uh, call uh, after a watch company. Now we call it the GT World challenge Europe. Exactly. Endurance. Let's head down to the uh, pit lane. What have you got for us, Chris Milbourne? I have the driver of the, two, of the uh, 296 Ferrari here, the number six. Now, the team are actually looking at the left-hand side of the car, the left rear brake. I noticed when it came on the recovery, there was fluid dropping from that part of the car. But of course, the driver's going to give us some more insight. So what happened there? Well, I can't really tell you what happened. It was under code 60, and I was in turn 10. Just Basically, you go into round turn 10, the rear left wheel snapped and it was off, so I don't know what broke, but something mechanically failed. Either the drive shaft, but it doesn't look like the drive shaft, so some sort of the suspension must have been just breaking. And do you think the team will be able to fix it before the end of the night? Say it again. Do you think the team will be able to fix it before the end of the night? I hope so. I mean, we had troubles with the door before, you saw it, and uh, so we are already out of contention. But um, I hope we can finish the race somehow. So should be able it looks from the looks of it uh, it's only a small screw that broke so sheared off so let's see so you can see how much damage a small screw does there isn't it but thank you very much for talking to us and hope to see you back on track later on thank you very much chris now uh, was that was that stefan goring yes uh, yes so he just got out of the car and so that's uh, what happened um uh, it was in code 60 came around turn 10 and something snapped on the left rear yeah. of that car and uh the left rear wheel departed so shield magnus is who leads for martin conrad and then he's martin conrad's about five seconds a lap quicker at the moment yeah that gap down to 15 seconds now for the race lead well, Magnus is pretty quick, so he must have got caught up behind somebody. There, there is a lot of traffic yeah. out there at the moment. Let's uh, just find out where he and is. I also noticed that Haas RT have got their hot shoe, uh, Matthew uh, Detre, in uh, the Audi R8 now. So we should see some fireworks from him. That car actually leading um, GT3 Am. Yeah, the 54 had a little bit of overtaking to do. Yeah. Uh, the 17, the 83, the 937 and the 902 all sort of uh, got in the way as he was making his way out of turn 10 and uh, just had to bide his time to get up there. Lost a little bit of lap time. And everything's closed up because now the, yes. the first two, there's only 15 seconds between them. So the race is on a long, long way to go. It's but a uh, long, long way uh, to go. 
So, Hathen Quarajuli in um, the Kuwaiti driver, the resume more than racing, has now got in front of the uh, Philip Bonnell in the Vortex. And uh, that is second and third in the GTX. But it's the uh, Freddie Tomlinson um, are almost a lap in front at the moment in uh, the uh, Toro Verde Gianetta G56. Um, really streeting away at this time. 13 pit stops for that car. Yes. That's a lot of pit stops, but they've been doing some very smart strategic things in the code 60s of topping up the fuel um, and uh, looking after the tyres because we did ask them down, yes, can they double stint tyres? And they think at night they can. And if they can do that, they save a half the budget of tyres um, over, over the night. But um, it might be interesting to see that because it's a much lighter car, um, or it's got much less torque than the two V8 cars are running in GTX uh, second and third. We've got a slow car in sector three at the moment. Just trying to keep an eye out on who that may be. Yeah, that's tracking along with the uh, leader right now, the, the blue and white Audi. But uh, might have a bit of fireworks from the number 50 Huber Motorsport now because he's, he's quite a veteran, is Jason Harper. He's been very quick this weekend, the American. Actually sat down and had lunch with him. Oh, and nice. uh, he's telling me he started his whole career uh, in sprint cars on dirt ovals. Going and he sideways. really loved it. Yeah. It and uh, <laughs> he trains a lot of drivers. Um, he's a very well-known driver coach yeah. in America. And he's got two or three people um, here that uh, he's uh, helped into this series. Absolutely loves the Creventit series. And any American who uh, he will listen to him, he says, you've got to come over here and uh, race in this. So uh, he's racing in, in the number 50 car with, with one of his... Uh, pupils I suppose you might call them and um, that's Scott Noble who we've seen earlier but uh, Jason's had success in this series and uh, see him he used to race always we saw him first he prevented over in the uh, when we had the Cota 24 hour race oh, of course yes and uh, yep but Jason's second generation is from Dallas in Texas his dad Bud used to, to run a racing team just on board at the moment with the yeah. 48. That was a, a nice little lap around, half yeah. a lap around the circuit to yeah. see what it looked like. Yeah. And that was uh, Stefan Cox at the wheel. Currently running fifth in the AM category. Still a long way to go. 15 and a half hours. I'm, I'm going to say now that the, 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 the Herbert uh, chance of getting back anywhere in the top five or six is gone. Uh, uh, it's, yeah. you know, it's, it's been 26 minutes in the pits now and obviously they've got something serious that they're having to fix. And maybe Chris could get down, down there. I, I can't think that they're changing the rear suspension, actually. Um, oh, well, let's hear from Chris Melbourne now. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. Unfortunately, I think it's race done already for Herbert Motorsport. Uh, the team are now preparing the car to put it back in the garage, and I think I'm pretty sure they're going to close the shutter down on us. Uh, they were looking at the rear end there, and as uh, Phil said before, the spoiler is not in the correct angle that it should be, and there is a uh, massive hole in the back of the car as well. So unfortunately, I think number 91, day Well, there have been winners wow. in the past that were close second last year. Patch of oil catching out, Robert Renault just didn't see it in the dark, off he went and bang into the wall and the end of a great effort from 
the team that I had down as the winners. You but they are, you know, this is motor racing, isn't it? This is the excitement, this is the jeopardy, this is what happens. Indeed it does. They started eighth on the grid in the GD3 uh, Pro category. And... Uh, yeah, but they're not mega qualifiers. That's not their strategy ever. Well, their strategy uh, is always to win the race, yeah, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, most And uh, they were right in there. And now it's... Uh, it's Audi, Mercedes, Porsche, Audi, but the best Mercedes has got uh, Renat Salikov at the wheel. And, and I'm uh, just looking at that gap between Giles Magnus and Martin Conrad, and uh, now Giles Magnus got through the traffic. He's in the 201s. He's a second quicker now than Martin Conrad. Gap's gone out. Yeah. It was 15 seconds when you were talking about it. It's now yeah. 22 seconds. Yeah. yeah. So that was just more about uh, getting through some traffic and then putting the foot down to uh, get that buffer zone out again. Yeah, Robert Brunel, they're 28 minutes in the pits at the moment. Still on the, the uh, in the uh, standings as 18th, but uh, they will start to drop down in the very short future. Bit of structural damage to the back of the Porsche. Remember, that's where the engine is as well. Keeping Knight down a little bit further down the field in our TCX category. And it's a 278 with Tom, uh, Thomas Holland at the wheel leading the TCX1 uh, category you know, for CW Engineering in the, in the Janetta. Um, the two TCRs are still having a fantastic battle out there at the moment. Um, uh, the uh, 138, uh, Ollie Webb at the wheel of the Simpson Motorsport car. And yeah, uh, Ollie was added to the entry list right at the very last minute. Indeed. And uh, am I right? He won this race in the past. I think he may have. Thierry yeah. um, uh, Chonkdali um, for AC Motorsport in uh, the TCR version of that. Currently second in TCR. And uh, around about uh, just under a lap separating those two on the timing screen. So at the moment, we have had just two hours and 11 minutes under the code 60. And there have been six of them so far. And uh, the longest was our second one where the 927 went into the barrier at turn nine. And uh, that was an hour and 11 minutes with that barrier repair. And uh, the 927 unfortunately retired from the race. So, chap in third place, not that well known, Renat Salikov uh, from Moscow, and uh, raced mainly in Ferrari 488s, and we've had some uh, some decent runs in the Blanc Pan GT series in the past. Had one podium back in 2019, according to the, the notes I've got here. The class win and Spa 24 hours in in the Pro-Am category. Uh, yeah, 2018, that was in a, a 488 Ferrari. So it's got a bit, decent bit of form. Proton Huber competition car, and he's doing 203, so that's a pretty good lap time for, uh, I, 
I assume he's an amateur driver. Yeah, it's not an am car, of course. Is, is that so? Maybe he's, he might still be silver. I'm not sure, or uh, semi-pro. Uh, so the Mueller Motorsports car that's had all of those issues still circulating down there in 51st position. Vladislav Alomko at the wheel at the moment, sitting down in 18th in the 992 category. They've uh, really had to work hard. With the amount of nine pit stops. An electrical gremlin. And electrical gremlins are the worst. You just don't know where they start, where they finish. You just have to complete, compete. Uh, you just have to keep, keep on replacing bits until it goes away. But on these new cars with ECUs and everything like that, it is so difficult to do. The flash of flame out the back of the Porsche as it heads down into turn 14 hard under the brakes on the change down. Now getting the power down, that's the 909. Red Camel Jordans dot NL. Luke Broikers at the wheel leading the 992 category um, from quite a margin. Um, second in 992 and the leader of the AM is Kayvan Burlow on, uh, in, in the 925. And uh, that is a very pretty car. That's the Team Captain America by Baz Coven Racing with a big shield on it. Um, uh, they've been just uh, doing what they need to do, but they are leading the AM category at the moment in 992. Yeah. So uh, very well, but they're only eight seconds ahead of Ibrahim um, Al Abdul Ghani from the QMF by HRT. So the battle for AM honours in the 992 has eight seconds between it. At the moment, 18th and 19th overall. Um, it is um, K. Van Bella just doing slightly quicker laps at the moment, eight tenths of a second quicker than Ibrahim Al Abdul Ghani in uh, the QMF by HRT Porsche. Just keep an eye on that gap. Yeah, we mentioned Ollie Webb. Yes. Because uh, I'm remembering now, there was, of course, there's the. Uh, uh, champion in the ELMS overall champion years ago, and then he's, he's had that long run with the college team when they were, you know, trying to run at Le Mans with a car that had various different names along the way. Yeah, five or six years with them, didn't he, Ollie? And um, a long career, Formula 3000, all sorts of stuff. And uh, but I seem to remember he, he, he testing for a, a, some one of those smaller supercar companies and did some over 300 miles an hour or something absolutely mad like that That's and there was mad. a suggestion he'd been one of the stigs as well <laughs> uh, 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 well there's been a few about four or five and perry mccarthy's the one that's uh, most famous of course uh, at 54 now has a 23 second gap over um, the nine with Martin Conrad at the wheel. Um, 34 minutes into the stint for Gilles Magnus. And Conrad around about 28 minutes into his stint. 14 stops for our race leader at the moment. So they've been topping up the tank every chance they can get. The night time should be a little bit easier on tyres. So uh, maybe they're looking at may a possible double stint. Drive time is limited to a maximum of two hours and uh, then you must have at least a 50% break of your, la of your last stint. Um, but uh, it's Cosimo Papi doing his fastest lap yeah. of the race in the Manamuri. Uh, Energy by Abbey Motors in the Porsche. Pre second in the Pro-Am, a 202, a 155. Yeah, it's he's getting cooler out there. Yeah, he's a new boy in that team, isn't he, the youngster? 
amongst that group and doing a great job. But uh, still lurking there, you know, is that BMW M4 of uh, the Century Motorsport team with uh, Jake and Jacob Rattenbury now at the wheel. And uh, also the CP Racing uh, car is still up there. And how's Matthew Dutry doing? Matthew Dutry, is he leading the, the drivers' championship in the? Um, Let me have a little the, the Middle East series. I, just, I think he is. Let me have a look. I have. I think somewhere in the program is RC. Let me have a little look. See. No. Oh, no, it's not. Uh, they did compete. Oh, they they did. only competed in Abu Dhabi. They oh, didn't right, so they can't. In, yeah, yeah, in, so, in Kuwait. So who's sort of in the lead at that at the moment, then, of the driver's section? Well, basically, I haven't got the driver's section because oh, they're, all, they're all changing drivers between Kuwait. Oh, right. And so it goes yeah. on the car number. Yeah. There is another graph with all of the drivers on there. But yeah, I think it's in the might be in the program actually. the program right. has it you have to scan a oh, code but it, oh that's right because it's, it's not up to date it's, it? it's yeah. only got kuwait in it at yeah. the moment and uh, there is a you can scan the wow. code and get that one up when we get close to the sharp end of this we'll uh, we'll start doing the sum shall we um, i'll let you do that oh As yeah I said, my, my, oh, well, my brain think, is only I the size of well, uh, one one hundredth of the size of Mr. Trustwell. Yeah, well, yes, well, I thought we might go down to him. Yeah, yes, the, the way his brain works, he's it, calling the strategy of that. And if I send, it, send him a little text message, he'll probably answer it immediately with the, the answer exactly. I need. He did but correct I me once down in Kuwait because he wasn't in Kuwait. Um, he uh, was doing it remotely. And uh, then they drafted him in for the Yes uh, six hour last yeah. weekend. Um, just get, doing a quick weather update. The, track, uh, the temperature peaked at 3 o'clock this afternoon at uh, 29.1 degrees. We're now down to 23.8, 58% humidity. Um, but the, the main thing is the wind has dropped dramatically and it's just a nice light breeze at the moment. Probably getting down into the 16, uh, 17, 18 degrees into the teens. I'll have to go and get my jacket. I noticed yeah. Chris Milburn was behind uh -huh. the pits as well. He's been here for much longer than me. This is winter yeah. for us. I told you Jason Hart was quick, didn't I? Yes. And, uh, and uh, he's just uh, put in a two minute 01, the car running the Huber Motorsport Porsche. Well, he's only, uh, he's only, look at that gap between yeah. program one, two, and three now. Seven seconds separating one and two. Seven yeah. seconds separating from three. The battle's happening there. Charles Espinar's going to have his hands full. He's doing 203s. But it's Jason Hart, as you said, he's uh, taking at least a second, um, oh, two seconds a lap now yeah. out of Charles Espinar in uh, the AMG Mercedes. Then the Century Motorsport BMW um, is not too far behind that battle. Sorry, the Huber Motorsport Port yeah. with Jason Hart in there. Yeah, it's a, it's going to get very interesting. Sorry, uh, Charles just came across the line there and uh, upset all of the timing. But uh, yeah, battle going on there for the AM category. Yeah, Charles, an interesting chap, had a lot of success in America in the past, and uh, also uh, trades in quite a lot of racer parts, doesn't he? Nice. Yeah. It's always having a driver doing racer parts is always an advantage because they understand what you're wanting. 
That's Kay Van Burlo yep. in, in the pits in the Team Captain America yep. by Bass Coach and Racing. So eighth pit stop. See how he jumped onto the car with the windscreen, between the windscreen. Some of the cars are, yeah. are running tear-offs, like the full-screen yeah. tear-offs. Yeah. Others just have the gentleman uh, doing the, the necessary. Yeah. And that was Jason Hart, in fact. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Jason Hart and uh, in this there, Kay Van Burlo in there as well, sorry. Yeah, the Herbert Motorsport dropping down the legal list now down in 34th position. Yeah, I mean, if Chris has got a moment, he might wander down there. We're still trying to find out why that car has got the Captain America colours, whether yes. they just like it or whether they got some sort of connection with whoever does the, the comic strip or whatever it is. I mean, been a bit left behind by Captain America, to be honest. But I just love the logo, of the yeah, uh, the, and the way the car looks looks, looks terrific. Right. Yeah, a really stunning-looking car. Yeah. Jason Hart's gone down for fuel in the Huber Motorsport yeah. car. So that'll drop him down. He's still going to stay in the top ten. And Stephanie Cox, Peter's daughter, is now climbed into that uh, Cox Racing Porsche. Just dropped out of the top ten. She's lapping in 204s. They're sort of battle packs all over the circuit yes. at the moment. Yeah. And it's sort of the, our lead drivers, as they make their way around, get into a pack, their time. It, it's like a lot an elastic band, isn't it? You get through some traffic, it's going to add two seconds to your lap time. Um, but on the next lap, you're going to get all of that back again. And it just concertinas constantly as our leader now has clicked over a 205 laps. Yeah. 26 seconds between the lead two. 15 hours to go, so we're sort of almost nine hours in. the magic of night racing the lights are cutting through the uh, darkness although as we've heard a lot of new lighting here now making it much easier there's that 26 machine let's head down to the pit lane Chris what do you got for us I have the answer to why the car oh. has that livery now I'm with the only non-american driver in the entire line of the Dutchman why is delivery as why is delivery look like Captain America? Well, it actually came up uh, a bunch of Americans, my friends in America. I moved to America myself a couple of years ago. I met four other Americans there. They had the dreams of doing the 24 hours of Dubai one day. I told them that I knew a couple of good people here, so we started working on the plan to to do this race. So then the question came up: What should delivery be? And the fact that all four of them are American, and I'm living in America, and I'm obviously enjoying my time there. We thought Captain America would be a would be a great livery, so that's what we went with. I know with the livery on the car, are you able to channel Captain America's powers there? Well, so far it didn't seem to be too bad. Obviously, we're still a long way to go, so hopefully we uh, we get some extra power along the way and some extra luck. But uh, so far, so good. It's been race, so we got to keep up the work. 
Thanks for talking to us, and I hope that answers your Thank question. Thank you very much, Chris. Yeah, and it's been what he didn't say, of course, he's had a lot of success in the uh, main Porsche series in America. He's been the guy to beat. I think, certainly, I think, a very, finished a very close second recently in that series, yep. and also been very good in LMP3 cars as well as Kay Van Berlo. I think Jamie Day just may have finished his stint coming out of that car in 24th overall for HRT Performance and, and running 7th outright in the 992 category. That's our first big stint for Jamie. So the, actually the answer was that nobody's paying him to, to <laughs> run, exactly. promote that brand. It's just like, <laughs> <laughs> but it looks terrific. <laughs> I love uh, um, how cars are, you know, Because well, lots of people in the past have painted their cars in golf colours, haven't they? Golf Oil was a, a strangely convoluted company. Actually, all different people own different parts of it in different parts of the world. But lots of people paint their car in golf colours and are not getting any money from golf at all, particularly in historic racing. Yeah. Uh, Let's I'm, head back down to Chris. Yeah. What have you got for us, mate? I've got second in class. Well, at least it was second in class when they came into pit lane. A rising star in the United Arab Emirates is Jamie Day. Jamie, this was a last-minute call-up for you. It must be exciting to be here for the first time, though. Yeah, it's really exciting. I only got the call-up on Wednesday after being in Portimao all week for GT Winter Series. So, uh, yeah, it's good to be here and uh, learning a lot, especially in the nights. In. It's my first ever nights in. I think we've done quite well coming in in P2 class. And of course, well, you have one of your F4 rivals a little bit further down, and I know I was talking to Keanu not too long ago. What's it like to race with him on track in a GT car instead of Formula 4? Yeah, it's good, obviously. A uh, bit different this weekend with the GT, and uh, yeah, it's, it's just an all a new experience, so uh, anything I can take away from it is a positive. So, now, Greg Gorski's got behind the wheel of the car. You think you're going to stay in second, or...? Yeah, I think uh, we're in a good place, and, you know, it's still early into the race. We've got a long way to go, so anything can happen, really. Thanks, Jamie, for talking to us, and good luck. Jamie Jay. Yeah, wearing he, he, his... Uh, he was never that tall when I was contemplating <laughs> him on, on karting. He's taller than he's dead Wearing now. his uh, race suit from American series, yes. though. So, yeah, he's done very, very well after yeah. he came out of karting, was in F4 for a while, and then it has branched out um, uh, to the planet. And... Uh, did all of his learning here, right yeah. here in uh, in the UAE, and uh, well, I detected a bit of a London accent there. Yeah, though. yeah, the, the family's from the UK. Yeah, uh, based out here. Uh, Dad Kevin runs XL Motorsport, uh, running a lot of the F4 cars this yeah. year. Uh, so how run. many were you, how many different teams are there running the the Formula Four cars here? Uh, a lot. Um, uh, uh, some uh, probably there'd be I think three or four local teams running yeah. multiple but uh, a lot of them come from Europe yeah. uh, obviously this is a prime training ground for their rookies they get 10 races in like uh, uh, 10 race weekend I think it was eight race weekend something ridiculous lots of track time for, especially for their rookies by the time they get into Europe they've had a lot of races they've had a massive yeah. tra track time as rookies and they stand a very good chance of whatever they go into winning the rookie championship and is it just two circuits here in Abu Dhabi or they go racing yep. elsewhere uh, 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 they move the, because of the uh, the 
they do tend to try and you go to Kuwait. Yeah. Uh, they did last year. Um, they were supporting some stuff, obviously, with all the changes at race days yeah. and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. And they run in parallel because Top Speed Motorsport run the a series here from, uh, from Asia. Um, and uh, they also run the... Uh, in, in parallel with the F3, um, uh, sorry, the Formula Regional Middle East Championship. And uh, so they've got both of those, and they're, uh, and they're also going to be running the Australian F4 Championship uh, this year as well. So uh, very, very uh, experienced um, operators is top speed, um, especially in the Asia region, and they're branching out. Remember, during COVID, a lot of the Asian Championships were held here. Yes. Because yeah. the circuits weren't open over there, and they couldn't race. So uh, a lot of because of the, the um, quarantine uh, restrictions we had in Dubai and how safe it was managed here, um, a lot of the series came over here to to run. I mean, we had a um, uh, for the uh, Pacific. Uh, it was one of the Ferrari Challenge here for Asia Pacific, ah, yeah. and we're not in Asia Pacific. <laughs> and I remember the uh, Ferrari by Beverly Hills car was running here yes. as, as, as well. Um, our colleague in motorsport, Shay Adams, knows a, Adam knows a lot about that uh, Ferrari racing. She commentated on it. But, uh, yeah, we had all the Ferraris here um, uh, from that series as well, giving them track time yes. uh, because they couldn't race anywhere else. So yeah. um, it was... Uh, but uh, you've got to give a big heads up and a hand. Uh, you know, uh, it was Creventic who were the first um, organisation to go back racing after COVID. Yes, yes. And they, the way that they did that was exemplary. Yeah. And lots of other series followed exactly what they did. Meanwhile, we're following the CP Racing Mercedes-Benz. We've got a spare in the back of the garage, I noticed. Yes. Uh, Charlie Putnam's done very well over the years in business. And also, he's a good guitar player. There's Charlie. Uh, but uh, we're following his uh, long-time, uh, I suppose, originally driver coach, uh, Charles Espinal, and he's uh, lapping the track very nicely at the moment at uh, the 2.04 mark. The time's dropped off a bit. Nobody's sort of down into the close on the uh, two-minute uh, now. Um, it's sort of 2.02, it's sort of a good time now, isn't it? Two or two and a half. Yeah, I think a little bit of oil down yeah. at turn one. People are just taking it a little bit easy. Yep. Um, I remember a lot of them pitted under that code 60, so they're going to have fairly full fuel tanks as well. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I noticed the younger of the Broikers boys is now in that car. He's doing 207s in that 992 car. And that's a... That's, that's the pace one of those should go, really. It's been driven really well. And uh, maintaining that lead, I got a couple of laps, actually, over the uh, the HRT car that they're running for the Q8 uh, Motor Car and Motorcycle Federation, which you told us about uh, earlier. Great group of people over there. Uh, we used to have a lot of our series here. Our local our radical series ran over there as yeah. part of the uh, thing. We can road freight vehicles from here to Qatar, so you know, it just needs to go through Saudi Arabia yeah. and uh, get all of that done. The LaSalle circuit is pretty special. Are they running any other races on the, on the Saudi Formula One track? Yes, yes they are. The Ferrari um, that uh, challenge here that um, Dragon Racing run, they've been over there. They've run their Ferraris over there as well. Yeah. It um, is a street circuit, but it's, uh, I think 
pretty much permanently closed. Yes, and, yes. Uh, <laughs> a, a lot of, I think, Porsche are going to run there. I'm not too sure about that. I'll have right. to check with the Lechner brothers. But, um, yeah, they are running cars there at the moment. Just keeps that layer of rubber down on the circuit. Yeah, well, we're heading up towards uh, 10 o'clock and a commentator change. But just to go through the uh, top 10 now, it is the Eastland Racing Team Audi, which leads by 35 seconds. Gio Magnus uh, is at the wheel and uh, he is uh, in front of Martin Conrad in the red get speed Mercedes-Benz. I said 35 seconds between them. Then we got uh, the Russian Renat Sakhov in the Proton Huber car and that uh, I think is one lap down and then Matthew Detre, the hot shoe in the Haas RT Audi is fourth. Fifth place another Russian uh, driver in the Intempto Audi, Sergei Titarenko. Then uh, we've got the uh, best of the cars from the UK, although of course it's a German car, it's a Century Motorsport BMW with Jacob Rattlebury. Uh, as we see a pit stop there from another Russian, SMP Racing, such a famous brand, built their own cars, ran their own lot of series in uh, over in uh, Russia and uh, Boris Rottenberg, huge supporter of motor racing. Nice to see their name back. So, so in seventh place is the CP Racing uh, Mercedes of uh, Charles Espinel at the wheel. Um, British GT champion Darren Leung is now at the wheel of the 14th century motorsport, the second century motorsport BMW. And then uh, the uh, the Cosimo Papi car of Manamari Energy by Ebi Motors. That lies in ninth place, although it's just dropped to tenth because he has gone into the pits. And that moves the Peter Cox car with his daughter Stephanie at the wheel up into ninth place overall. The best GT3 AM car is Matthew Tetri. Uh, running in fourth place overall, the best um, pro-am car is the uh, Century Motorsport 22 machine. The leading Porsche 992 car, as it has been for such a long time, is uh, Luke Breukers. Has got quite a window over the uh, second car, such as mentioned a few minutes ago. We've still got a great battle going on in uh, GTX as well, with Freddie Tomlinson at the wheel of the uh, development uh, Ginetta there. Uh, and he leads the uh, KTM. And then in third, down in 36th place is the uh, leading GT4 car, which is the, the Toyota, the Continental Racing Toyota. Uh, Currently with Andrei Sulak, uh, so one of those Russian tongue twisters. Sulakosev. Yeah, Sulakosev. Yeah, he, he, he's based out here, presumably, is he? Yes. Yeah, so anyway, that's where we are. Just a couple of minutes shy of uh, 10, uh, 10 o'clock, which uh, means uh, we'll be just, uh, just 15 hours to go in this <laughs> Dubai 24. So your thoughts as we uh, we head off, maybe just get our heads down for a little bit. Yeah, um, it's uh, been a very uh, interesting session so far. I mean, the th big thing that happened in the last couple of hours, obviously, was the Herbert car going off on the oil and uh, damaging itself so badly that it's out of the race. 
And also we've had a big disappointment of the Ferrari uh, going out. They've got the, the Rothko uh, back car. They're the two big ones we've lost. Indeed. And, uh, yeah, uh, the, the front row of the grid, literally. One yeah. didn't even get, uh, yeah. get off, the, off the way. Yeah. Yeah. And that was lap 88. Um, where we had that power steerer failure for the uh, Santalock Junior team. Yeah, that's yeah. the other bit, yes, of yeah. course. Yeah. And uh, so that one has gone. The Giletta, incidentally, has just gone into the pits, the, the development factory car, uh, all run by to Toro Verdi, though. And uh, interesting to see if it manages to hold on to the lead of that category. But KTM is not far behind. And it's currently in the pit. It's been there for 30 seconds. So the, the top two, Martin Conrad and, and Gio Magnus, trading uh, lap times within uh, fractions of a second of each other, really, at the moment. Magnus just a, a tad quicker, I suppose. And uh, are they the quickest guys out there? Uh, now, yes, they are, together with uh, Matthew Detre, or Detre. The Bentley has been up and down. And we, we did hear, of course, from Rob Huff, from Huffy, the last time uh, we saw him interviewed, that they seem to have fixed the problem. And now the Bentley is going well. It's in fifth place in GT3 Pro-Am. And owner Sean Lynn enjoying it. He's done quite a lot of racing in the night. Of course, his, his son, who he's loving sharing the car with, has not had much experience in the night. Though I think he, he did run in Le Mans Classic uh, last year in the GT40 uh, in, in the dark. So he has a bit of experience like that. Very close at the moment between uh, sixth and seventh places. Well, they, this race now has settled down into a pattern, hasn't it? So they've got a... <laughs> I don't think there's anybody quickly coming up the field. You know, no, that, the, that, the second Ferrari, the racing one, was starting to make progress up, and it had the big problem we heard about in the rear suspension and so on. Nice shot through the uh, windscreen here of the Cox car, Stephanie at the wheel. Not sure whether she tried to get in W Series or not, but I don't think she was in the W Series. So 214 laps on the board thus far. Of course, we had the early on the hour and a quarter code 60 for the barrier repair. That would have brought the, the average speed down a fair bit. Down in third place in 992 Am is the well-known colours of Tracy Crone. 
car run by the German RPM racing team. Nicholas Johnson now is at the wheel of that car. Nicholas, whose career goes all the way back to racing for Paul Stewart in Formula 3. I remember him over in the UK many years ago. And indeed, there was a swap in the top of GTX. And uh, the KTM is now in the lead as they cycle through the pit stops. But the Janetta is right there. And it's Nico Prost who has got into that car now. Uh, Nico Prost, we heard from Lawrence Tomlinson yesterday, is involved with Janetta in France. Uh, I didn't realize that. And. Uh, be interested to see he's done lots of night Dinko Prostacus race for a rebellion best part of 10 times at Le Mans uh, he will have done a lot of night racing and so okay and uh, it's time for us to take a little uh, break from the uh, global broadcasting centre and uh, we're going to vacate our seats and we're yep. going to give them up now to the effervescent Johnny Palmer and Bruce Jones. Over to you guys. I've been called many things over the years, but I have to say, Phil, effervescent is just about the best. Thank you very much. But you called our uh, stint earlier on a bit of a he-man effort. Well, that's now five hours for Andrew Marriott and Phil Anson, and they'll be back for plenty more in due course as we continue our coverage of the 19th edition of the 24 Hours of Dubai, live here on RS1, part of the Radio Show Limited network of channels. Uh, full darkness kicked in at 6pm. We're now at 10 o'clock, three minutes past 10 in the evening to be exact. And the Easter Lent Audi continues to pound round as the race leader with a couple of cars appearing to be on the lead lap right now. Get Speed's Mercedes still very much in the fight, just under 45 seconds further down the road, Bruce Jones. Well, I was rather hoping for an adjective, but it was the effervescent Johnny Palmer and Bruce Jones. Uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe we can share effervescent. But, That's uh, fine. Obviously, what's happening after their five-hour five, five stint, which we're going to try and match over the next five hours, uh, is uh, the fact that uh, several of the front runners went missing. One relatively recently in the last hour, Herbeth Motorsport. Uh, their Porsche out of the race, which does mean that's the final race for Daniel Alleman, who was, uh, this was going to be his finale. Alas, it's not going to be a 24-hour race. And also the Dragon Racing <coughs> Ferrari, number 88, sitting in the pits at the moment. That's out with only 180, 168 laps completed, whereas our race-leading car, which is that East Talent Audi, has 215. So two of the top five cars have now gone missing from action. So it's East Talent Racing Audi with a 44-second lead over Martin Conrad in the red Get Speed Mercedes. In third place, Matteo Detri, Haas RT, making such an impact. Uh, trotted out last year and just seemed to go better and better. They've taken to the 24-hour series with uh, massive aplomb and success. So third place, leading the GT3 AM class as well for them with uh, the Belgian racer Detri. Driver based, like quite a few of them, out in Dubai. Um, going very well indeed. Best the rest, Renat Salikov, uh, Proton Huber competition. We know that's a car, that Porsche, that can go very well indeed, because certainly in the early stages of the race, that was uh, very much a pace setter. But uh, settling down in tonight, as you point out, Johnny, four hours since darkness fell on the circuit, but uh, some great views uh, from the Global Broadcast Centre. We'll bring you the next five hours of action. Let's see what unfolds. We'll also continue this arm wrestle as to whether it is East Talent, as Bruce has just said, or I thought a combination of Christian festivals, Easter Lent. You see, that's why, how I was comp <sighs> combining it. But it is probably a play on words with the word talent. But the, the East, 
talent from the east? Yes, I think that's basically that's how I understood it. How they came in, they were competing largely in the international GT Open. In fact, they landed the drivers' title and the team's title. Then there was a rejig of the results uh, some period after the end of the season, and they ended up with just the drivers. T- uh, just sorry, just the team's title because uh, that all changed around. But uh, a team that's very much stepping forward, and again. Events like this, you know, a lot of their racing is over one-hour sprint races in things like the International GT Open. They come to something like this, they can just gain so much more experience. And uh, certainly with the driver lineup they have, with uh, the experience of Christopher Hasser and Marcus Finkelhock, just those two drivers alone um, really, really is guiding them forward. And they're, they're going very, very well indeed. And Gilles Magnus has been uh, absolutely flying for them as well. He, he, you know, he put on a really good stint. He worked his way from sort of seventh to sixth to fifth to fourth to third and really was showing very, very strongly indeed. So as they go four hours into the night, they'll be cycling through their driver rotation and uh, we'll see how they fare. But certainly with uh, Marcus Finkelhock, who was showing such intent in the opening stint of the race, that side-by-side contact with the uh, racing one Ferrari that then led to the problem when that number six Ferrari came into the pits and one small problem, they couldn't open the door. And seeing a a beautiful 296 GT3 being wrestled against with a jemmy to get the door open uh, really isn't what you expected to see. And that's all the way down after all those delays. It fell to 44th position. It's only risen to 41st. So the race isn't quite going as they'd be liking. Uh, Way, way back. But good... Uses, they are still going. Let's hope they can take it through to the finish. Stefan Gurig at the wheel of that at the moment. And we, right now, are concentrating on the 907, all-green liveried Porsche in the green of Crone Racing. Nicholas Jonsson back at the wheel of the RPM Racing Porsche as it is entered, but with obviously strong ties to Tracy Crone and that uh, Crone Racing name from the past. And that car running in fifth position in the 992 class. It's redcameljordans.nl, though, that leads the 992 division up as high as 15th overall now for younger brother Luke Broikers. Uh, Rick started the race, and it's often, nearly always, a Broikers family affair in that particular Porsche Cup car. Victorious last time out in the, the final race of the European season of 2023. The 24 hours of Barcelona, of course, and can they kickstart their 2024 year then with a, another 24-hour victory within class? Well, QMMF Racing by HRT are their nearest rivals. The 931 car is having completed 209 laps, so about a lap and a half away right now. That's a nice cushion to be sitting on. Uh, it really is, and uh, of course we mentioned Rick Broikers starting the race. Younger brother Luke on board now. Evo Broikers completing the trio of Broikers, father Broikers, and Fabian Dance, the driver breaking the sort of Dutch hegemony in that team, and uh, so he uh, is the fourth driver in that uh, semi-pro and am lineup. But uh, certainly going great guns. Clearly, Paul Truswell has worked the tactics very nicely in the first handful of hours of this race. Just under 15 hours remaining. Track conditions dry. As you'd expect, hopefully for the driver's sake, less dusted than they were in the opening stints of the race, where really how everybody kept it in a straight line, I do not know. Anyone going offline or particularly just outside the white lines marking the edge of the circuit, and they were kicking up so much dust. The wind seemed to drop with about two hours before nightfall, and hopefully it's going to stay that way, and <laughs> certainly what you don't want when your visibility does, does get restricted in the night is slippery areas at the edge of the circuit. That said... However, the lighting around the circuit in Dubai is fantastic. And uh, 
and with the also the improvement in headlights and all these cars, yeah. uh, you know, it's really changed from when the, fir- the first of the 24 hours here uh, was held. Nine, well, this is the 19th running, so you can do your own maths on that one. But, uh, you know, things have come on. Cars may not look enormously different, as you won't if you've got Porsche 911 still competing. Uh, but certainly the level of light around the circuit has just come on in leaps and bounds for them. And unlike a number of other races throughout the battle with COVID, the global battle with the virus, I don't think we ever missed the Dubai 24 hours. We had that slightly no. strange one in 2020, which was the precursor, as it turned out, to a year dominated by COVID. So that was the rainfall, which certainly uh, maybe gave us indication that 2020 wasn't entirely going to go to plan for all of us. And then it did happen in 2021. Yeah, it did. I mean, the first race was 2006, Dulla Motorsport, with a certain Dieter Quester at the wheel. Toto Wolf, heard of him. He's been involved since, hasn't he? Hans-Joachim Stuck and Philip Peter, so uh, three Austrians... And Hans Ducker was always seen, seen, you never really knew if he was German or Austrian. Ironic, since his father was born in Poland. Uh, Hans Stuck original. But anyhow, Dollar Motorsport won that with a, an E46 M3 GTR. But yes, the cars have moved on since then. But every year since this race has uh, been held. This year, of course, uh, certain pressures on it uh, due to uh, logistical problems in the Red Sea. We'll leave it at that. The Houthis were involved in that. And so some of the teams decided when this race got put back by a fortnight to make sure it could take place. And you can imagine the work behind the scenes from the Creventic group. Uh, you know, like a swan above the water, but paddling furiously beneath. And they made it happen. We lost a, a number of runners who were tied in this weekend. This was the original weekend for the Daytona 24 hours. That, of course, is still happening this weekend. And some teams worked out they couldn't be in two places at the same time. Some of us still try and do that, but it doesn't always work. Still East Talent then out front by 52 and a bit seconds. Get Speed's Mercedes in the, is in the hands of Martin Conrad. So we would expect the lap times to just ebb away very slightly. Martin is the AM element in that pro car. And as such, he had to take part in the initial qualifying session yesterday, which was reserved for AM-only drivers. But elsewhere within the team, it's a five-driver lineup. There are two semi-pros and there are two pro drivers. So Martin Conrad, uh, brave stepping forward for one of the in inverted commas, overnight stints. I realise it's just after 10 o'clock in the evening, but it is full darkness with all of that uh, extra floodlighting here at Dubai. But certain areas are, you know, pretty difficult to negotiate. You have to rely quite a bit on muscle memory to work your way through. One of a couple of Century Motorsport BMW M4s getting through as we can get an update from the pit lane. And here's Chris Milbourne. So, as uh, Johnny was just pointing out, uh, we've just got to cut away from that interview. Uh, Gilles Magnus leading the race by 40. No, it was 40. Last time I looked, it's now, I was going to say 48 seconds. It's now 53 seconds from Martin Conrad, but Martin just settling in uh, to, to his stint in the Get Speed Mercedes. Mathieu 
Dutrie in the Haas RT Audi third overall. Leading the AM class of GT3, the Pram class is led by Century, Century Motorsport Jake Rattenbury in fifth place overall in one of uh, the four, the three BMW M4s that have been brought by Century Motorsport. Two of them running in the top class in GT3. The sister car, Darren Lung, is in eighth overall. And of course, they're running one, Johnny, down in the, M, in the GT4 class as well. That's uh, green on our screen. Second in that, and it's the New Zealand racer, Rihanna O'Meara Hunt. And uh, certainly, I know that... Uh, Andrew, Andrew Merritt's been very excited about the fact she's got Greg Murphy sort of looking after her career and uh, making it happen. And uh, Greg, such a cosmopolitan Kiwi, you know, raced all around the world a lot of time in the States as well. And uh, so, you know, it's great when you have that level of experience coming in to just give you the guiding hand, stop you falling in any uh, pit hole, pits, pitfalls in front of you. And a race like this, he just understands his invaluable time behind the wheel of a car. In GT4, a class that's growing worldwide, not as quick, not as uh, highly developed as GT3, but with national championships, with the European championship and American championship, the numbers are growing year on year on year in GT4. So not a bad place for the young Kiwi to be doing her racing. Uh, just like to apologise to Chris Milbourne, who I assure you was talking. That's why we paused and actually Bruce and I could hear him clear as a bell. I understand his voice wasn't making it actually to air. So we're just trying to iron that uh, difficulty out. He's doing a splendid job and I felt very, very bad about just suddenly plunging over the top of him. But you, the listener, weren't hearing him and therefore the pit report is a little useless because, I mean, it was great to me and Bruce. But if uh, the greater uh, world cannot hear it, uh, clearly some work to do. But we'll get to that in a moment or two as Gilles Magnus continues to lead in the 54 East Talent Racing Team car. And Martin Conrad in the Get Speed Mercedes number nine is a shade under a minute back now. Mathieu Dutrie will be pedalling as quickly as possible. Now, the difficulty for the Belgian there in the Haas RT Audi is that he's got the best part of, well, a lap and a bit to make up. It's two and a half minutes, the gap. And that is only from Martin Conrad. Add another 56 seconds on top of that. And uh, an idea of how much time the Haas RT car has lost in the early stages. So I might be able to drill down into some of the data to work out where... The that particular Audi has had some possibly costly pit stops, uh, but it's it's tricky. Sometimes the race just goes slightly out of your control when you're on the wrong side of a Code 60. No, exactly. And we've had uh, six Code 60s in our first stint. We did the first four and a half hours of the race. We had two, but the second one of those was an hour and 11 minutes long. But in, in many ways, because it was so long, all the teams managed to cycle through. It's the shorter Code 60s where some teams get it right with getting in, getting whatever amounts of fuel they're allowed to take on board. For the vast majority of the crews in this race, it's only 25% of a tank load under a Code 60. But uh, when it quickly flicks back, some people just haven't got the job done. And it's all, as we found out, over the years, particularly following the guidance of uh, Herbert Motorsport, who've had so much success. Alas, not this weekend, the last racing weekend for Daniel Alleman over before they got very deep into the night. But uh, they were always masters of saying every time there's a Code 60, if there's a chance, come in and put a bit more fuel in the car. You just never know. But uh, certainly with Mathieu Detri getting back into that number 21 Audi from Haas RT. Originally, they had two on the entry list, but uh, the number 20, the sister car, was one of those that was uh, scratched uh, because of the problems with the logistics. But certainly Mathieu has been very quick indeed. He lives in Dubai, and the Belgian racer clearly loves this circuit, must have a lot of experience on it. And he's taking a couple of seconds a lap out of Martin Conrad. But as you pointed out, Johnny, the gap between them, best part of two and a half minutes so chipping away but uh, 
I don't think it's going to happen in one stint, uh, getting a whole lap and a bit back. But certainly Mathieu pushing on. He's got a fair margin, nearly uh, one, one minute, 50 seconds over the fourth place car. Another Audi. This is the, the white, grey and black camouflage livery R8 LMS GT3 Evo 2 to give it its full uh, t title. And that's Sergei Titarenko at the wheel of that one. It's a car the attack was led by Alex Arkinaka, son of the team founder, the team owner. And uh, he's been going very well in Audis for the last handful of years. But it's uh, Sergei at the wheel at the moment, holding down fourth place. Is he being caught by the driver behind? Yes, he is. A second and a half a lap. He's losing to Jake Rattenbury in the best place of the Century Motorsport BMW M4 GT3s. The better place of those. The sister car, three places further back. Darren Lung, who took uh, two wins and the British GT uh, title last year, showing with Dan Harper in the UK. So he's gaining useful experience here. He's down in eighth. But so for Century Motorsport, the car's just coming up the order bit by bit by bit so doing a very very good job indeed eighty five the CP racing car oh what I promised to do was to look at those has T has RT pit stop times so it's the third place Audi in question car number twenty one now a longish pit stop can take over four minutes if it's done under green. But perhaps tellingly, that has car only showing uh, showing eight pit stops. But that rather suggests it was in one of those pit stops for a long, long time because the race leader has now pitted for the 15th time, gets speeds Mercedes 13th time, and only eight on the ticker for Haas RT. So that may well ex begin to explain uh, a long pit stop for that particular car. And it has uh, spent rather less time, therefore, on the racetrack, but still hangs on to third position. The 226-numbered Lotus has just come in for its ninth pit stop. Again, some difficulties with this, including bodywork torn up on the rear bumper and actually dropping on the track on the main straight, causing a Code 60 and a nightmare for... Was it Charlie Putman who was it at was the Charlie 85? Yeah, yeah, just, just talking about CP now. I like the way you tied that all together. Beautiful, seamless. Anyhow, hopefully that will be fixed for the Lotus, but that was some while ago. It's funny, you get to this point in the race, here we are with uh, 14 hours and uh, 40 to go, so really effectively nine and a half hours already dispensed with, but uh, you suddenly get a driver setting that car's fastest lap of the race, and the one that's just done that is uh, Benjamin Pack, Seb Lajoux racing by Dubo Racing there, 12th in the 992 Cup class, but uh, clearly he took his time until he got in the car, but uh, as the temperatures are falling a little bit, and maybe the track is simply less dusty than it was at the start of the race. That car starting uh, to show very good form indeed. So all you can ask of your driver, well, two things. One, keep it on the island. The other, be as fast as you possibly can. And be quite kind on the tyres as well. And we were surprised, Johnny. Let's wind it right back to the start of the race. We expected, you know, typically around here, the GT3 cars in the senior class in this race do around an hour from one tank of fuel uh, to the next. OK, code 60s and other things can change that. But we were quite surprised that they galloped past an hour. We thought the first one would be just short of an hour because of the formation lap and uh, so on and so forth. But uh, they went uh, past an hour up to about 70 minutes. So quite surprising, I'd say, this time around, that they're, they're getting that sort of mileage. Yeah, so uh, uh, more pit stops taking place uh, at this stage, although not for the key runners. The top 21-odd cars still stay out a little further down the order, though. The Continental Racing by TTR Toyota Supra has just made a stop. Those looking after the little Lotus Elise, pushing that towards the fueling area, but it is struggling to restart. And the Vortex that I just caught sight of with Olivier Gomez at the wheel of the 2.0 Vortex, 
car 701 heading back into the race via, in fact, not via the fueling area. It seemed to miss that. So an extra stop maybe because of a difficulty for Vortex. And they're obviously happy with the amount of fuel in that car because send it back out onto this 5.3 kilometre circuit. I was just quickly having a look at the uh, the penalty screen. You can find all these things on if you go to uh, the 24H uh, website and look at live timing. And also you've got the live images as well. You can watch them there. Uh, but plenty of penalties being applied. I wondered if the Vortex was just serving one of those, but uh, actually not is the answer. But everyone else seems to have had a bit of a go. And of course, a lot of people are getting penalties for exceeding track limits. And I have a certain degree of sympathy for them. The track was very, very slippery in the opening hour of the race. But a lot of them, this is less excusable. In fact, a whole host uh, since uh, 10 o'clock local time, exceeding the speed limit during code 60. With the penalties rating for that, uh, obviously, according to how much, by how much you exceed the, the speed limit, the 60k limit. Uh, six seconds for car number 27. Oh, hold on a second. Number 27 has managed to pick up one, two, three, four, five, six penalties almost on consecutive laps for expe exceeding the speed limit under code 60. So clumsy, unfortunate, uh, time-consuming. Um, it may well be that the way they've uh, set their... That's the heart of racing by SPS Mercedes. Maybe their speed limiter comes in at 61 or something, or 60-something. But actually, it, must, it can't be just that, because the, the amount they've been penalised has ranged from 6 seconds to 8 seconds to 10 seconds to 8 seconds to 12 seconds. What was the driver thinking of? And then another 8 seconds. So you add all those up, you're getting close to a minute. But it's the fact that's minted at the stand, standstill in the time penalty box. Uh, but then again, all those have been issued, not yet been served. I presume they have to come in. You can't run them all off in one go, surely, Tony. That's, that's something we need to look into for the rule, rules. I'd have thought each penalty you have to report in and serve that one, go back out and do the next one. But uh, we'll try and see if we can get to the foot of that. But there are an awful lot of rules in the Creventic rule book. But anyhow, car number 27, very, very much <laughs> in the, the stewards' minds at the moment. That's a car shared by Gray Newell, uh, Pierre Kleinubing, uh, but Brazilian racer Daniel Mancinelli, who started, and a certain Darren Turner. Car number 27. Yeah, easily missed his uh, old DT in the entry list. But there have been a few races over recent years, actually, that um, you need to make sure you've uh, vacuumed up the whole of the entry list prior to going into an enduro because Darren Turner actually been getting some decent results under the radar in some of the lower classes, uh, including, I think, had a recent Nürburgring 24 hours as well. So still hard at work, although officially stepping back from factory duties a chance with 14 hours and 37 minutes to go to once again offer my apologies chris we stamped all over your previous uh, pit report but let's get another one from you no worries i think it's just a connection issue well we've got the well he's no longer the race leader because he's now out of the car but the car is still in the race leader number 54 Gilles, it's great to see you obviously you bought the car in the lead of the race it was a fantastic sit for you talk us through it uh, yeah, to be honest, we didn't expect to be this competitive. We were struggling a bit uh, in the beginning of the week in, in trainings and in quality with pace, overall pace. Uh, but then now, from the start of the race, actually, we had good pace and uh, we're keeping it up uh, without any mistakes from the drivers. Until now, it's still a long way, so uh, let's see. I was going to say, the night is still too young, so it's too early to predict if you will be there at the end. But uh, pretty sure you've got a great strategy going on here. So what are your thoughts? Yeah, really happy until now. But uh, as I said, the morning hours still have to come, and the morning hours are really the most dangerous hours when the the most the most things happen. So uh, after that is finished, I'll be already uh, I'll feel already much better, and then uh, it's just uh, without any mistakes to the end. 
Well, I think it's now time for a well-deserved break, isn't it? Exactly. I'm going to get a, a good nap. Thanks for talking to us. Chris Milbourne there, down in pit road, and uh, going to be on duty in the pit lane for about another five or so minutes before Diana Binks takes over for what's likely to be another two hours, maybe 90 minutes actually, to take us to midnight. As the race leader who has become Martin Conrad in the Get Speed Mercedes now pits and in fact is already in the fueling area. So that car number nine uh, is, uh, is onward with its fuel stop and will return to the racetrack very, very shortly. This is a chance therefore for Matcha Detree to close the gap a little more. Last time around did a 2.02.3, which is there or thereabouts compared to his earlier pace. And the East Talent Racing crew, now with Christopher Haaser at the wheel, number 54, running in third. But the lead does at least have a, cha a chance to change when one or other of the East Talent or the Get Speed cars make a pit stop. So that provides us a good race. It certainly does, and I'm not wanting to dob anyone in, but I thought a driver who could pick up six almost consecutive penalties for exceeding the track limit under Code 60 needed investigation and... Uh Checking what's going on. Car number 27, the heart of racing uh, Mercedes. It's uh, Daniel Mancinelli at the wheel for that. So when he gets back, he'll have a little bit of explanation to do, followed by a lot of explanation to do to the team. There may well be a reason, but come what may, he's picked up the best part of a minute's worth of penalties spread across six offences. So uh, certainly some matters will need to be discussed. And just for your reference, the, uh, that number 27 Mercedes, Daniel, is in 10th place at the moment, not too far behind. The Salasin by Cox Racing Porsche and should actually catch that number 48 car, the green one, because Stephanie Cox had just brought that into the pits, and so those places will change. Now, cars in pit garage, oh, it's in front of the pit garage, the angle of the camera caught me out. It's the more than Resume Racer, or Resume More Than Racing 714 KTM, the only one of those in the race. It's still a great looking car. You know how the, at the start of the race, the grid was absolutely chock, chocker with uh, fans, families down there taking a look. It's funny, that KTM crossbow with its sort of a strange cantilevered uh, roof, the way it comes up for the drivers to get in and out, it still attracts as much attention as any car on pole position. KTM just do things rather differently, and it's great to see. But that car has been leading GTX in the early stage of the race. It's still leading now. Haytem quote... Carjuli leading in that car. Some distance clear of the Ginetta G56 car. Toro Verde running that, the cup car from uh, Ginetta with Nico Prost. And, Alan, and we just found out from Andrew Marriott that Nico's actually the French representative for Ginetta. So that is why he's in with the Tomlinson duo in that car. Looks good, sounds great, plenty of grunt. And uh, it's great to see Ginetta stepping forward with their new latest tool, to see what they can do with that and certainly Nico Prost brings a lot of experience single seaters first and then has moved on since then no sooner was I mentioning a little change around in the pit lane that has happened straight away so Chris Milbourne out for the time being and Diana Binks back into the old uh, to the back into the old saddle dive <laughs> I wondered what you were going to say there so did I yes, I'm definitely back in uh, with <laughs> With Resume Racing, you were just talking about the 714. Hytham has just jumped out of the car. He's been out there for a couple of cents, was that? Um, it was like, I'm not too sure how long I was out for, but it was a lot better than my first stint. And uh, we got past the Janetta right at the end. So it was pretty good. So what was better about it? Tell us, explain to us why your first stint wasn't and what happened and what improved on the second. Um, well, in my first stint, I got in the car and pretty much I was 
in the car for an hour and 20, I think, and it was just code 60 the whole time. So I did it all at 60 kilometers an hour. That's not easy, is it? I mean, the, the attention span then really got you to be very concentrated. Yeah, you lose concentration quite quick going 60. But um, I was ready to go. We went racing for, I don't even know, maybe two laps, and then it went code 60 again. And, uh, and then it was just barrier repair for the rest of the time. So how is the car feeling now at this point in the race? The car feels great. Uh, it's just, it feels quite flat and it's just enjoyable at this point. And what's the traffic like out there now? And now we're into the sort of darker points. It's, it's dark and not completely dark. Um, there's a lot of traffic. It's not many. It's not as many GT3s that I thought there was going to be, but like GT4s and TCEs, there's loads of them. How are you managing the traffic? How did you feel you were managing the traffic? Um, I feel like I could have done a bit better, but overall, I think we did quite good because we managed to pass the Janetta right at the end so we're doing better than them so a bit of rest for you now when are you back in the car um, I'm not too sure yet because of the code 60 has really moved everything out of our plan but there's four other drivers in between that so a minimum of four hours until I'm back in the car a good rest yeah very good rest right, thanks a lot right thank you Hey, Tim Carrot-Juli, who is uh, getting more and more experienced in the one-make, or strictly two-make, Ligier uh, European Series, having dominated in 2022 and stepped up to the JSP4 category and, by his own admission, struggled at times. But it's a big step from a GT-derived car, at least, to a baby prototype and now decisions as to what he might do next. I haven't actually seen any announcements for 2024, which doesn't mean there haven't been any, uh, but uh, drivers obviously want to make sure that everything is cemented before they make a full commitment. But again, uh, you know, prototype-derived car for this particular event will pay dividends perhaps when he's looking to draw on that experience in the future. I, th I think young drivers who uh, don't follow the single-seater route have got so many opportunities now opening up. You've got the Asian Le Mans series coming here shortly, and of course you've got the GT cars, cars the P3s and the LMP2s in that. So plenty of places to place yourself. And events like this, not just here with the 24H series in Dubai, but a fabulous uh, sequence of events and brilliant circuits for the rest of the 2024 season. Mugello is next in March, the end of March. Spa-Francorchamps, Portimao in Portugal, brilliant circuit, and one that's really going to give them a bit of a cooking. Mizano, the 5th to 7th of July. I've been there in the summer, and it has been achingly hot. Mm. And then the Barcelona 24 hours to, to conclude the season. So... Whether they do other championships as well, they can come in and out of this series and pick up some brilliant circuits, particularly young drivers looking to work out, do they want to go from GT4 to GT3? Do they want to go into prototypes? People like Heisen Karajuli, yeah, they've tried their racing in Europe, but uh, there are many, many other ways you can do it. So that's why I think it works. That's why we see so many young drivers coming to play in these enduro events. Keeping a keen eye on Jacob Rattenbury in his BMW M4 for Century Motorsport. They're just sort of waiting in the wings regarding the podium. And it might not be a bad shout this far away from the race finish. You know, we've uh, just obviously by three and a half hours creeped over the uh, one quarter distance marker. But you're not going to be thinking about the race finish before daybreak, which is at four minutes past seven tomorrow morning. So little milestones really is often where the teams will be playing this and certainly midnight a significant one but then you have to wind the clock forward a further hour 
and then 12 hours to get to the finish of the race. Yeah, and it's also down in the pit lane. You've got the daylight hours, and a lot of they, they really change according to whether you've got shade in the pit lane in front of the pit garages, which largely they don't. But when it does arrive, it's a very, very welcome element because you can really cook down there. And it's not, it's there's a certain degree of humidity. And one thing that always makes me smile, particularly at night time in the Dubai circuit, is when you just look in the background on the long shots, you see the traffic just going on the main road at the far side of the circuit there, just minding its own business. No idea the race is going on here. They'll see the blaze of light from the illuminations around the circuit, but they may hear the rumble of the cars as well. But uh, normal life does go on. And I just cannot get over how much Dubai has expanded, extended out towards the circuit. It used to sit practically on its own, uh, right on the edge of the desert. And now it's being consumed. And of course, Motor City was the element this was called, uh, this part of uh, the city. You've got all sorts of zoned development and uh, certainly more and more motorsport uh, teams and things basing themselves out here. Dragon Racing got a couple of units inside the circuit and of course they came here with high hopes. Their first season of running the 296 GT3 Ferrari but alas for them and for the Goethe family it hasn't quite worked out for them uh, in the race so far. Going back to Century Motorsport, Nathan Freak runs a very very tight Ooh. team and uh, you know he's competed here in, in himself in the past but uh, you know two cars sitting pretty pretty well in the race at the moment and it didn't seem the BMW M4 GT3s had the ultimate pace of some of their rivals in qualifying but I think they've got a very well balanced driver lineup in both of those GT3s and that's why now we're cycling through all the drivers and we've got one sitting up there in fifth place overall for Drake Raffenbury sorry uh, move that down uh, he's gone up to fourth place because um, yes he just passed the CP Racing Mercedes and the Proton Huber competition Porsche has also gone past the CP Racing Mercedes so Jake Rattenbury up in fourth place for Century Motorsport. Sister car, Darren Lung, British GT champion. Three places further back, as before, in seventh overall. Going the right way. You know, we, we talked about the Audis, the Mercedes and the Porsches of the German marks, but with the BMW didn't seem to be quite there. But at the moment, quite happy to run at very similar pace. Uh, you mentioned Nathan Freak usually, well, has taken part in this race. Actually, if you track back, it's something like seven years in a row. So it's a surprise more than anything not to see him on the entry list this year in one of his cars. That may well change moving forward into 2025. We'll grab another word with Diana Binks. Johnny, yes, I'm down here in the bit lane with the number 48. Stephanie Cox has just jumped out of the car after doing a double stint, I think that was. Oh, it was a single stint. Well, it was a single stint. Um, Stephanie, are you satisfied with the performance of what the team are achieving at this point in the race? Yeah, I think we're doing quite well. Um, we had some hiccups yesterday in qualifying, but uh, the team did very well to fix it. And I think we have a better car now at the moment. Also, because it's cooling down a bit, I think it's coming a bit more towards us at the moment. So, uh, yeah, I think we're managing quite well. Stephanie, just for viewers that, that you know are pretty new to racing, how much does it ch the braking points change as you go into the evening sessions for you? Well, the, the track changes quite a bit uh, over the race. It has changed quite a bit over the race already because in the beginning we had this massive sandstorm. So you have to adapt to, to changing circumstances a little bit, but um, I think uh, yeah, we're doing okay at the moment. What were conditions out there like out there on the track? How were they evolving? Well, I think as I said, the track is coming a bit more towards us at the moment. We're finding a bit more the grip and the pace in the car, and at the moment it's all about surviving for us. Um, it's quite hot in our car, as you might see, uh, because we have no aircon at the moment. So. Um, yeah, it's all about surviving the night and see what we uh, what we can do tomorrow. Thanks for chatting to us, Stephanie. Get, get a bit of rest. Thank you.
in interesting points made uh, and in fact reiterated to us there just to really rub it in there by for Stephanie about the changing points it is always tricky but I think people who weren't with us at the start of the race had no notion about how sandy how dusty it was out on the circuit we heard reports when Diana Binks was about to do the grid walk in the countdown to the start of the race she said well the teams are already starting to talk about this and we did wonder Johnny about um, the level of abrasiveness of the of the circuit with you know with, with this sand blowing on uh, we didn't really get an answer on that, but certainly breaking points will change. Temperature makes some change as well. Right, thanks to Phil, Phil Anson. Just out of the commentary box, brilliant stint with Andrew Marriott, and he has answered the question that I just asked. Multiple penalties, can they be served all together, or is each one separate, i.e. you have to come in and serve one and go out again? The answer is, as long as they're all served within the time frame defined, which is two hours, you can serve them all in one go, which in the case of Daniel Mancinelli and then 27... Uh, Mercedes from Heart of Racing. That means 52 seconds worth of penalties plus driver in, uh, time into the pits and timeout. Just over a minute and a bit rather than you can imagine coming in six times to serve penalties ranging from I think it was 20 seconds down to six seconds. But uh, don't suppose if there's another code 60 he will be casual. There may well be a technical reason as to why it happened but the fact was each of the penalties almost each one was for a different amount of time and I think they're all calibrated according to your excess of speed over the 60 kph limited but anyhow let's hope we don't have to talk about that too much anymore but anyhow that's at least a relief for the heart of racing team and for the record hard racing by sps darren turner is on his outlap so he's just taking it over so all those penalties would have been served and uh, no longer is daniel mancinelli in the car so the brit now i just see, seen some stories that the um Aston martin valkyrie the car being developed uh, for the world endurance championship for next year is about to go out testing oh not at dubai Right now. Under cover of darkness in this race. <laughs> it, year in, year out it happens. Why not? I mean, it's going to be very difficult to see the, the, the real defined lines of this car. And then it hits a big patch of floodlighting, Aha. as the uh, 95 Porsche does. And you will see every single part of it. So possibly a bad idea. But right, so it's going to go out testing. Do we know where? Uh, I didn't see that part of the story. It's just about to come on air. But it's I so think top it, secret. Yes. Yes, indeed. Okay, interesting. Well, I suppose that they, you know, they're going to have to do the testing at some stage, and a full year in advance of that should mean that hopefully that provides enough time to get to the bottom of any difficulties with a brand new. Well, say brand new. It's not really. It's been on the back burner, shall we say, and being brought back to life, which is a wonderful story for all fans of. British motor racing and particularly the Aston Martin brand. Look, you can look across the decades of sports car racing. There have been some fantastic projects that got pretty much all through their testing and still never ever happened. They still got pulled. That's because the accountants took over the marketing budget, the budget from the marketing people and the manufacturers and the rug got pulled. History is full of them, dotted. 14 hours, 21 minutes still to go. And I reckon we can head to the pits now to grab this from Diana Biggs. just um, got out of the car down it's getting quite busy now in this pit lane a lot of activity going on you've just brought the car in how satisfied are you with how things are going so far uh, to be honest I've no idea where we are in the race uh, in class or overall I've just been getting my head down really um, focusing on uh, the job I can control and how has it been out on the circuit yeah to be honest car's been mega team's done a really good job um, the last thing was uh, was complete pleasure to drive so, so yeah it's all good. Well, you're third in your class. Oh, really? You're third in your class at the moment, so you did a good job during that stint. Oh, that's good, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. No, that seems that seems all right. Do you know what we are overall? No, I don't. Okay, right. Yeah. 
I can find no if you like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, eight. Okay, yeah, brilliant. Conditions are evolving, obviously, tonight, you know, everyone's settling back down. How important is it just to keep doing what you're doing so you get through to... Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's really important, to be honest, because uh, the track since one o'clock... The track's been coming to us since one o'clock, uh, every stint. So I feel like every time we go out, uh, the track's coming to us, the car's going a little bit away because obviously it's getting more miles on it and such like, the brakes are getting older. Um, so yeah, it's kind of keeping us on our toes. We've got to find those last little bits every lap and yeah. Is there anything, is there anything that's changing that surprised you or, or you're, you're sort of finding that's improving? Uh, pleasantly surprised actually that um, I feel like driving standards are a lot better in the race than they were in the practice sessions. Um, there's a lot more consideration for faster traffic and such like, so really it's actually pretty good out there. Uh, everyone's been fairly consistent by the looks of it from my side. I mean, it does look like it looks like everyone's being very respectful, but also pushing, you know, as much as you can. Yeah, I mean, they could do with uh, pulling a code 6 out of the end of my stint, so I don't need to keep driving these bloody full stints. I'm the only one who keeps doing it. No, 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 keep going, keep going. Thanks a lot, Darren. Thank you. Well, you get the sense that the pendulum will swing away from that concentration over Darren Young, but the problem is he's a British GT champion. So everyone's going, oh, Daz will do it. Just stick him in for a double or a triple stint. He just won a championship. So, you know, riding the crest of a wave, the secret is, you see, don't win titles and they'll probably shy away from you more. Yeah, no target on your back. This is, I, I was thinking that was Darren's first run here, but he ran here two years ago in a CWS Ginetta. Finished in the top 71. In fact, he finished 71st. Uh, which, uh, but that goes to prove also his point about driving standards being better. We have 54 cars starting the race. There's a bit more space on the track. If you're just joining us at this, uh, you know, distance, some distance into the race, you might not know that the car that was due to start on the outside of the front row didn't get to start the race at all. We lost the life of Motorsport Lamborghini before the start of the race. A problem with the fuel tank. We never really got an answer. Didn't get going. The garage door was pulled down. They worked on the car for ages. Uh, but for Brendan Leach and the gang, and it was a strong driver lineup, very disappointing. The one Lamborghini in the race didn't get to start. Therefore, no, no longer 55 cars on the grid, 54 it was. And now I would think uh, we've probably lost about half a dozen cars since the Lamborghini didn't get to take the start of the race. But most notably, including the Herbert Motorsport Porsche, car number 91, Robert Renau with it was the last driver listed in that. That went off down at turn one, hit a patch of oil, we think, on the approach to turn one. When you're coming down from about 255 kph and uh, then luckily lots of runoff uh, before you hit the tyres but unfortunately the tyres were hit another car out of the race that was in the top five was dragon racing with uh, the very locally based ferrari 296 gt3 based here at the circuit new for 2024 to the team uh, one of them is entered in the age of the more series so they will get one out shortly but uh, the home race for the goethe family and the dragon racing team with their new ferrari didn't go according to plan but the good news for them I'm try always trying to find good news among the bad. The car showed excellent pace and uh, really looked very, very good in traffic, particularly in the hands of uh, Oliver Goethe, who really got it going very nicely indeed. Yeah, going back to your point about uh, Herbert Motorsport, really not the way that Daniel Alleman wanted to close or bring the curtain down on his fabulous 24H series career. I think I was hearing earlier on from Peter Fry of the championship that he'd had 50 races in his history within Creventic competition and a really nasty looking off for Robert Renauer as you say normally you would hit the brakes and take so much speed off something like 250 255 kilometer per hour approaching to turn one 
but the car almost at unabated speed, spinning. That did shave a bit of speed off it, but then it slammed into the tyre-protected Armco barrier and uh, rather put pay to any further competition, any further involvement for that particular car. Just hope that Robert Renauer is OK after that. He'll certainly be shaken. Yeah, the team worked on the car for a good half hour after it was brought back to the pits, but maybe as much as anything they were taking it apart so they could uh, put it away. But then eventually the garage door was closed on the 91 Herbert Motorsport crew for good. And just remember, they were running just before we went off after the first uh, four, four hours of the race. Uh, they were running in fourth position, closing in on third. So they were right in the mix. Busy a little further round the track now. Uh, were yellow flags being displayed at turn 10 just a moment ago? And that has now been cleared. Not immediately obvious as to which car was slow in the Se middle sector. Yeah, slow in sector one was the last warning. Um, let's have a look. I'm trying to see. Oh, no, the dangerous thing with a, a multi-car field is <laughs> to go for the tracker map and work out which the dots is moving slowly. I don't think I'll do that. I'll wait until the car comes into the pits. We'll see which one is brought in. But uh, don't forget, the car that we saw stopping the most was the Mulner Motorsport. Uh, Porsche dropped right to penultimate position, the 921 car, but it's still running. It's in 51st position at the 54 starters. Vlad Lopko at the wheel, but it seemed that um, for one driver in particular, didn't seem to matter what he did in the car, all the ignition problems hit him. I'm trying to remember who, who it was one of the French uh, crew within that car that just had all the trouble it was hold on well I'll, I was about I'll get to the foot of that one I was about to say there was a very long final sector time for Axel Jeffries in his 76 McLaren 720s and is that not Axel now stopped on the main straight very close to the pit wall he's got it well over to drivers right but they look suspiciously like headlights from a 720s GT3 there's only one in the race and whereas most people are doing the final sector in something like 34 or 35 seconds, it took Axel 11 further seconds than that. And we now have this car stopped on the main straight. It's going to cause a code 60. The other clue to me is that Axel Jeffries hasn't yet triggered a sector one time. So I reckon that is the 76 McLaren 70, uh, 720S stopped on the main track, on the main straight here, and that could prove rather difficult to recover. As we go to code 60, that's been thrown. I just want to answer my little conundrum earlier. Gilles Vanillet was the driver of the Mulder Motorsport car who had about four attempts to uh, get out on the circuit and get very far. But again, four and a half hours, or four and a quarter hours into, uh, into night here in Dubai, and uh, trying to pick out which car is which is very difficult, the head-on shot, but uh, those narrow slit headlights on the 720S uh, McLaren, I think you did, put called the right number there but code 60 this is the seventh code 60 of this race it may not be a long one but uh, certainly sitting there on the outside of the pit wall the pit track side side of the pit wall is the mclaren sitting lights on but going nowhere at all and the illumination from the headlights just showing even on the main straight there's just chunks of rubber everywhere so the driver's not only having to sort of cope with the changing conditions the sand being more on the track on one lap than it might be on the next but also at this point in the race so much rubber there just to make their tires far less useful than they ought to be so front runners coming in the get speed mercedes is into the pits al faisal al zubair that's in from second place and i think we'll see a host of others coming in but of course they're not arriving fast because they're all running 
running at code 60 and now a course vehicle coming up the start finish straight to see if it can uh, give a tow to the McLaren but everyone else creeping past I mean code 60 it's absolutely sensible thing to do but it looks as though it's walking pace unless you're Dennis Marshall who somehow has just done the best sector one time of anybody in the race so far he's done a 40 flat through sector one that surely was shortcutting of the first bit of the racetrack because if he's going at code 60 which he should be doing maybe he's just completely avoided turn one and then popped up at turn six which i think is roughly the end of the first sector the track mapper will the, the uh, tracker will tell me exactly where that is here we've got sector times on our Hold on a almost hand-drawn have map. we not i know that needs to be added doesn't it's it? it's between turn seven and turn eight is the end of the first sector okay. timing sector so turn eight is effectively a little left-hand kink before you go into the full left-hander of the parabolica that leads the cars onto that infield straight so you come out of turn six and seven a right-hander followed by a tighter right-hander uh, and then just as you're considering where you want to place your car to turn into turn eight is where the end of the first timing sector falls and the end of the second timing sector you'd have gone all the way down that infield straight uphill slightly through turn 11 up the slope to turn 12 coming out of turn 12 dropping down towards the final sequence of corners that is where the end, you end sector two about a third of the way down to the left hand kink at turn 13. so all tracks in the world are split into three timing zones and uh, johnny Strictly speaking, it's not the fastest uh, sector of everybody, but it's certainly that car's fastest sector time as we were going into Code 60. Let's take this brief pause then. Another Code 60 out on the racetrack, I'm sad to say, but hopefully the clear-up process will be pretty quick and it allows us to take this report from Dai. Thank you very much. I am with the 76 that you're talking about. Jodie Firth is the team manager here. The McLaren, I believe, has just stopped on the other side of the pit wall here. Yep, um... From the telemetry that we've got, we just we've lost drive, so we can't be 100% certain at the minute what's wrong with it. So we'll get it back to the pits. The boys can have a look, and um, we'll make an assessment from there as to whether we can continue. Have you been able to chat to Axel? Uh, yeah, he said uh, the car was feeling good. He was just sort of settling into a nighttime rhythm, um, but he just said suddenly he lost drive coming onto the start-finish straight. So obviously pulled off to a safe area, then um, rather than try and risk dragging it round and doing further damage it's better to get the car recovered in that situation and I think if we'd have been maybe three hours from the end we'd have, we'd have risked it but still not even halfway we thought we would uh, minimise any damage Yeah, there's still a bit of time to, to get it back and to have a, have a proper look Yeah, exactly, I mean these, these races are long um, you know, it feels terrible at the minute but, you know, in an hour two hours, get the boys back out and hopefully finish it just before this happened, how were you feeling about how things were going? Uh, yeah, good. I mean, it, the car had got good pace. We'd, we'd, earlier in the week, we'd, hit, we'd experienced a couple of issues outside of our control, um, and it had a little bit of a knock-on effect, which I think many teams have experienced that. Um, so we kind of got back on our feet sort of Wednesday, Thursday, um, and we were, we were looking forward to the race. The drivers had not had too many laps before that two guys were new to the car full stop so it's been a steep learning curve for them but they've adapted well um, and everything was just starting to come together we dropped away from the lead pack a little bit but I think we'd hit a plateau and we were starting to just recover and yeah and, and great to see the McLaren out there in the mix really yep um, I mean we were here last year as well um, so we enjoy the event it's nice to represent McLaren um, it'd be nice if there were a couple more were here but take it out with a single one and it attracts some attention because of it. Right, I'll let you get back to work, Jodie. Thanks ever so much. Thank you. 
Jodie Firth putting a brave face on matters. It's not the time, really, to be presented with a microphone. And with no offence to Diana Binks, of course, because otherwise that's a lovely experience. But uh, just at the point where your car has been going pretty well and then it hits a first significant problem and the car has been towed very efficiently, actually, all the way around the racetrack, probably via one of the shorter routes here at Dubai. When you get about a third of the way down the back straight, you can turn sharp right, and that feeds you directly into the hairpin at turn 14. That's probably what the towing vehicle has done, because it's already back in the pit lane, and it won't be long before Jody can uh, have a look at that car and... Um, yeah, work out precisely what to do with it next. In fact, there's another cut out after, after turn two. You've gone through the first corner, just where it goes to so a slight left-hand kink. You can uh, double back through there and come out just before the cut through on the infield straight. So it uh, saves a bit of time, but certainly very efficient recovery by the Dubai Auto Auto Drome crew and the orange and black 76 McLaren comes to a halt right in front of its garage. Good job. The car looks you know, absolutely untroubled, but alas, clearly that problem. But uh, Jody Firth there reporting that uh, they will take a look and see what can be done. But Axel Jeffries based out here. He's done so many miles on this circuit and uh, a little bit of frustration, but it could have been worse. That's true. At least the car is still in one piece and it's able to be towed back. So all four wheels still pointing in the right direction, but losing drive can be the beginning of a problem that takes perhaps uh, an hour or so to diagnose and then you've got to work out how you're going to solve it. We are back to green very swiftly though, so no need to keep the Code 60 out for, let's say, 10 minutes that they did initially and I do think that was to allow competitors to do back-to-back -back pit stops where necessary. That was always going to be a quick Code 60 though and uh, one or two have taken advantage of it, bearing in mind if you're in GT3 GT3, GT3 Pro-Am or GT-Am and not in the Advantage class, then you can only take 25% worth of your normal fuel allocation. It's worth a short, sharp burst of fuel, but that's really the only benefit. So we had Chris Haaser in during that Code 60. We had Sven Muller for the Proton Uber Competition Porsche crew, number 83. Thomas Kiefer for Haas RT made a quick call, as did Alex Acker in the attempt to racing Audi, Jack Barlow and Sergei Nikolai for BMW and Porsche, Century Motorsport and Manamari Energy, respectively. CP Racing, Shane Lewis made a quick call, as did DT Darren Turner in the Mercedes, part of racing by SPS Mercedes. I wonder how many times Darren's actually raced a Mercedes. First time? Uh, no, I, th I think the heart of racing connection obviously is very Aston Martin-y, but yeah, uh, I but think they have it alongside. Bear in mind there are certain crossovers and similarities, Mercedes, Aston Martin. Um, but With uh, the engine, yes, yeah. good point. But the SPS element of that entry name is the reason why it's an AMG. Oh, absolutely. And not a Vantage. But as much as anything, it's also for the Heart of Racing team, it's giving their drivers more experience of yet more races because, of course, they're getting ever more serious as they work their way up in the World Endurance Championship. So uh, certainly mileage in the winter, better than sitting at home using, using um, you know, a sim. Far better to be here, it's, you know, so you can process the heat, the heat of battle, the heat of the humidity, the dust, the dirt, the everything. And uh, certainly that is the approach of Gray Newell and the gang. Properly dark at certain points of the circuit, and other points you suddenly get these great pools of lights, fantastic uh, floodlights marking out the racing line. But again, going back to what I was saying earlier, everybody's headlights are just so much more effective than they were. Those have galloped on in the last half dozen years, it seems that the 
magnification level of illumination has just got stronger and stronger and more focused than ever before. Well, in fact, even in road cars it has. If you drive at night now, you get a face full of, um, face full of light, and you certainly know about it. And down the back straight, often our camera positioned right down that tube, if you like, is dazzled by these phenomenally powerful LED lights now, and uh, they are deliberately arranged on the front of a, of a car to be at all angles, so not only picking out the road in front, but also where you're wanting to steer next. Exactly. And, uh, we talk year in, year out about the importance of experience of not just the car or the drivers in the car, but the drivers in the car at the track. And teams that are new to come here, they have to spend that first night session as much as anything sorting their car's headlights where they want them to be pointed. Because, as we pointed out, a good half of this race is under cover of darkness. And uh, if you just don't feel you've got the lights where you want them, it's not just to cover all the circuit, it, it's the eventualities, as you pointed out, Johnny. But again, another layer of experience that uh, really can make a huge difference for all the drivers concerned. And it, it, in this complexion of the race, this time of day, I mean, the cars almost have never looked better. They, they look resplendent as they were waved off at one o'clock. Uh, earlier on today but this nighttime racing and we've got 13 and a bit hours to enjoy remember 6 p.m on the dot was sunset this evening and it'll be dark pretty much full darkness all the way through till just after seven o'clock tomorrow morning so we can really relax and enjoy how the cars look particularly that 95 porsche which has so often run with the extra led lighting on the a pillar and right around the roof line as well. Sergei Nikolai in their Manamari Energy by Ebi Motors Porsche, and that car running in eighth place, and a nice collection of various shapes and sizes of GT3 car and a GT4 BMW in the mixture as well, heading through turn 10 now, which includes the third-placed Proton Uber Competition Porsche back in the hands of Sven Muller. He began the race all those hours ago, and this is probably the fastest we will have seen it so far. Yeah, best lap of the race, just taking a look at 1 minute 59.3 second lap. That's by the car in second place. It's the Get Speed Mercedes. That was Fabian Schiller when he worked his way to the front in the opening stint of the race. And uh, two other cars have also lapped under two minutes. Uh, the number 83 car we were just mentioning, that's Sven Muller's Proton Uber Competition Porsche. And Thomas Kiefer's driving the 21 Audi. It wasn't him who set the time under two minutes. It was one of the earlier drivers in the sequence for the 21 crew from Haas RT. But uh, certainly those were the three. Just double-checking, none of the cars that retired went under two minutes. No, none of them did. So just the trio who uh, have made that uh, Haas RT Audi fly as well as it has thus far in the race. Car number 21, very much at the sharp end of the race at the start when uh, Mathieu Detri took it underway. Yeah, it would be his lap that was the fastest so far. That would be in the opening stint. 9.92, led by old man Brokers now, if it's not too rude to call him that. He's taken over from Luke, his younger son. And the 9.92 uh, class, led by car 9.09, therefore. Julian Hansis is doing the chasing two and a half minutes further back for QMMF by HRT and the 931 car doing 205s so that is a touch faster on this lap in isolation than Evo Breakers and we have Kurt Swearingham in the Team Captain America by Baz Kooten Porsche in third position Nico Prost doing splendidly well in the Toro Verdi Ginetta G56 Cup car now. They weren't leading 
a few hours back but have now managed to leapfrog the Razoon more than racing car. We were catching up with Hayton Caraguli, one of the KTM Crossbows pilots, not so long back actually with Diana Binks. And yes, that's switched around very much in the favour now of the souped up Ginetta G56 car. Yeah, it's gone out by about the uh, best part of two laps, that advantage, a lap and a half. The driver giving chase is South African Mikhail Pitamba, but he's lapping exactly the same pace as uh, Nico Pross is getting the Ginetta G56 Cup car going. So, uh, Mikhail doing a very good job in the 714 KTM of a resumed more than racing. Third car in the class, rather further back. It's the Vortex that uh, looks fantastic. Don't go, I know what the Vortex looks like if you think of the, the ones we've seen in previous years. This is a, almost like a shrink wrap version. It's so sleek, enormous tunnels under and around uh, the flanks of the cars. And this is their first all carbon fiber model. And one of the problems in the past, the best part of those little vortexes, they were light and had fantastic V8 rumble coming out. And the worst part of the fact, they always seem to shake themselves to bits slowly over the course of a 24 hour race. When on track, very good, but alas, things started to come loose. And certainly with this, this brand new car launched, it was unveiled at uh, Barcelona the 24 hours uh, yes, last autumn and we suddenly saw the wraps come off and we thought is that full scale it looks so much smaller shorter and certainly much more much more ducting around the car much more aerodynamic consideration but for me it'll be the rigidity of that car that is going to be the real gain it's still early in its life that's why it's third in the GTX class but uh, Olivier Gomez at the wheel and he is lapping you know what all three cars in the top three positions they're in GTX spread by an enormous number of laps, but they're all lapping in exactly the same time, right. two minutes and nine seconds. So, you know, that it goes back to saying, you know, what you were saying, Johnny, when we've had uh, the code sixes of which we've had seven, some, some people get them right, some people don't quite get them right. There will have been other problems as well to get the vortex dropping down so far. But the good news is it's running at a competitive pace at the moment. And GTX, I would imagine, is a category that's very difficult to get exactly right because as Lawrence Tomlinson was making the point earlier on, there's, there's no balance of performance. It's almost run what you brung. So I have three front runners with near identical lap times. Unfortunately, the race hasn't quite gone to plan as you might argue the Ginetta's uh, event has done so far. So there are big gaps between them, but it's promising for the season ahead. Yeah, exactly so. 10 or 11 laps is the gap between uh, the Ginetta G 56 Cup car with Nico Pross, run by Toro Verde, and down to the third place car in GTX, which is that Vortex V8 we were talking. That's in 37th position overall, 10, nearly 11 laps down the Vortex V8, but it does look fantastic. And uh, sounds glorious as well, as Vortex always, always have done, in fairness. So Olivier Gomez in amongst a number of GT4 cars, and if you're keeping tabs on one or two of the timing screens. It's easy to miss that, so look down the 37th position and you should find it. Behind the Continental Racing by TTR, class-leading Toyota, GR Supra, for David uh, Pogashan, and the 496 car has a little bit of a margin. It's almost up to two minutes now, actually, on the Century Motorsport BMW M4 G82, so the GT4 eligible M4, driven by Rihanna Omera Hunt, car number 429. Yeah, and she's got a 40-second advantage over the second of the BMW M4 GT4s, which is Fabian Duffier, the AGMC racing team, run by Simpson Motorsports, so they're running that one. But uh, for David uh, Pogosian, you were just talking about him, Continental Racing by TTR. TTR is the important bit there. Toyota Racing, uh, and uh, their Supra has been in the lead of GT4 for some while. A lap and a little bit to the good 
in the class. But I must say, ever since that uh, GT4 Supra was launched by uh, Toyota Gazoo Racing, it's just looked fantastic. It doesn't matter where you see it racing the world. A lot of success in the French Championship, the FFSA GT Series, uh, and a fair bit out in the Far East as well, in Japan, in the, in the local series, and in the uh, GT World Championship Asia as well. It's certainly a very popular car in the GT4 class. And in fact, this year uh, in uh, GT World Challenge Asia, they will have their own race at some of the meetings, so be, it'll be pulled away because uh, GT3 has grown so much, they need some space for the GT4s, give them their own race, and it, with their own race, their class will grow. Yes. You can be sure of that. Yes, all of a sudden, the spotlight is firmly on them, and uh, GT4 racing always provides a terrific battle, but from a TV director's point of view, it's often tricky to get the balance right between the top class that everyone wants to witness, GT3, but then a terrific battle further behind, maybe a lap down or so. Now, one of the little vignettes of GT World Challenge Asia, GT4, last year. They had their own race at Okayama. It was a trial race for them. And the leading BMW, I thought, oh, he's, he's playing with the opposition, I said, as the sole commentator on that. He had two corners to go at Okayama. He slowed right down. In fact, he slowed right down. He's not going at all. And he trickled down the slope through the penultimate corner onto the start finish straight and then had to start. How far can the friction can he go before the friction brings the car to a halt? And, and the car that was behind was about 35 seconds behind it. It was coming around, you follow it on the track, and, no, no. And the driver's now out of the car, and we know how the local audience loves someone making a real effort. And he pushed and he shoved, and he came home sixth <laughs> and collapsed, but still won the championship. But, you know, oh, wow. so in terms of hits, and then dramatic music was put over the top of the clips, and that was played and played and played. I bet, I bet. You couldn't write it, is, the, couldn't. is the phrase, but it's uh, bang on correct for, the, for that situation. And it's the essence of endurance racing, not failing, but just not accepting defeat. Yeah. And we've seen it, you know, when you get to the end of any 24-hour race, wherever you are in the world, there have been some teams that have, you think, oh my God, why are you happy you come home 18th? You've actually managed to come home, you've nursed your car through a host of problems, a myriad, myriad problems, and yet you've got to the finish. And that is the spirit, and it's appreciated right up and down the pit lane. Doesn't matter if it's someone in your class, someone in a class that you only see once every 12 laps when you lap them, but you can appreciate the effort that's gone into, you know, make do, mend, but just keep going. Just need to look back to, uh, was it 1962, the very first Daytona, 24 hours, and Dan Gurney uh, having to push a car over the line. I'm just looking that up. 66, to, to, I think. Was it 66? Yeah, okay. the one that Ken Miles won. Uh, yes, but. Was that a car running out of fuel? I'm trying Just. to remember. I'm trying to read up on it, but yeah, the, uh, up on the banking, uh, Daytona, an event that's also taking part this weekend, taking place this weekend, uh, and yeah, needing so desperately to win the race after so much effort leading up to it. And why would you give up when you are mere meters from the finish line? There's a slow car out on the racetrack at, on the approach to turn 12, and from that sort of distance, it was tricky to identify it but I might be able to pick that up from the sector times currently. Yeah, well, no official message as yet. You've clearly picked that one out as it's happening rather than uh, seeing a well, message Thomas, on screen. Thomas Kiefer is struggling through the middle ah. sector, oh, taking well, him over 90 seconds to do a sector that would normally be about that's, 50. That's the Haas RT Audi, and he's gone down from third to fourth place. So his last lap was a two-minute five, and he's now down into fifth because his next lap, well, yeah, it's, you've picked him out. So suddenly for Sandrine Haas's team, that's sliding back instead of being the second best Audi. It's now the third best Audi because Attempto Racing with Alex Arkinaka has gone up to fourth place ahead of him. And Sven Muller also went past the Proton Huber competition Porsche car number 83. So it's uh, Audi Mercedes Porsche, which
which is East Talent Racing, Get Speed and now Proton Hoover Competition. But Thomas Kiefer, yeah, really tricky indeed. He's going to lose a couple more places, I would think, very shortly indeed. Trying to pick him out on the tracker, on the moving moving dots. I'm afraid I can't, can't help you with that one. Trying to click on each of them to get the number identified, but... Uh, it's not responding. Not responding. I've clicked on almost every car on the little tracking map. Anyhow, back in the race, back on the screen. So annoying for the drivers. Here it is. It's uh, just coming up to eight minutes past 11 at night. Still plenty of nightfall to race through. And the car that was third, Thomas Kiefer, the Haas RT Audi, now has got into the pit lane. Well done, Thomas, for getting that back. But that has been a real plunge. That's the car that was third overall, was top in GT3. AM category is still top in that category. The second car in that class is CP Racing with their Mercedes, and that's down in eighth overall with Shane Lewis at the wheel with his magnificent sideburns. Indeed, so. Grown for this event. Well, yeah, but because the insistence came from the team rather than him, he said, I'm not a superstitious man, but they've got plenty of people in the team who are, and there does seem to be a link between having the sideburns and a good result. So they've said, no, 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 don't shade them off, keep them, because... Our point scoring and our results are benefiting because of it. Somehow that the world works in a crazy way like that. Right, Phil, ha Phil Anson may be out of the commentary box, but his eyes are on screens and messages all around. He's picked up that uh, car 21, Thomas Kiefer, had a spin at turn 11, so a very brief yellow, and then he's brought it back into the pits. And okay. TTR, another point from Phil is that TTR, I mentioned they're running that GT4 Supra leading the class, is uh, track time racing based here in Dubai and they run Radicals and Clios in the local championship. So they won't know the car they're running, the Toyota, as well as those that they normally run, but track experience and how to handle the sand blowing across the circuit be uh, very much one of their fortes at TTR. Continental racing by TTR, 36th overall, but most importantly leading the three-car GT4 field by a lap over the chase of the two BMW M4 GT4s, number 429, driven by Kiwi racer Rihanna Amira Hunt, and she's in the Century Motorsport uh, M4 GT4, and about 40 seconds behind them, AGMC racing team by Simpson Motorsport, Fabian Dufier, Belgian racer, is third in GT4, but uh, bragging rights to Continental Racing by TTR. Just outside the top 10, Scott Noble in his Uber Motorsport Porsche is still there or thereabouts, about five laps away from the overall race leader, climbing a bit more like it actually, uh, Christopher Haza continues to charge on and uh, East Talent racing team with a very sensible driving lineup in the number 54 car, they're entered into the pro division, well it's not strictly called pro uh, but they have two of those particular drivers in their lineup together with two semi-pros, Simon Riker and Gilles Magnus and then the AM is Mike Zhu of China, but no doubt we'll be relying heavily on Chris Hauser and Marcus Winkelhock, who began in the number 54 car, wasting no time at all duelling with the number six Racing One Ferrari in the early stages, and they came to blows actually on the first couple of laps, causing more of a problem for the Ferrari rather than the white and blue Audi, and that car down in the 202s, just about on the previous lap, so by far the fastest car of that leading gaggle of anybody else and the extension of the gap is the result a minute and 18 seconds now East Allard's car over get speed and the rest 
Yeah, so for the Austrian team, run by Peter Reicher, father of Simon, who's one of the four races in that, going very well. So again, just running down the nationalities of the teams, we've got the Austrian Audi leading for East Talent Racing Team with the Mercedes from GetSpeed, that's a German team. Proton Huber competition, that's in third place, that's the 83 Porsche, that's a German team. And another German team, Tempto Racing in fourth place. But then, this is important uh, for the global spread, uh, Manamari Energy by Ebi Motors, Sergio Nikolai, Romanian racer in that. It's a team based out here in uh, the Arab Emirates, so that's running fifth overall. And in fact, second best of all the Porsches, leading the Priam class of GT3 as well. So the local team's having a good stab, but certainly Manamari Energy are supported by Ebi Motors, who know all things about running Porsches very well indeed. I've shaken away the... Uh the mixed memories I had, not exactly of 1962, but having read about that famous race, it wasn't a 24, it was the first ever enduro around the Daytona Speedway. It was actually only three hours, and quite where I got the idea that Dan Gurney was pushing his car over the line, I've no idea, but he was crawling because it was a terminally damaged Lotus 15 that had no pace in it whatsoever, and there's this just horrible sight of it doing walking speed, although Dan's still in the car, as the chequered flag is waving. Uh, a phenomenal sight and really that sets things up nicely for then the 60 plus years that we've had of what became a 24-hour race after that the 62nd edition of it in fact happening this weekend and if my memory serves me correctly one of the races early on was actually the six hours of daytona rather than the 24 in about the late 1960s he says reaching for another piece and of paper of which i have many 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 and that was an oil crisis no i think it was before that before that okay it was just yeah. a crisis crisis. I don't know why I was <laughs> going to look it up the other day on my list of Daytona winners. But uh, certainly, you but know, you're right. all, all races have a rich history and there are elements in there that just still catch you by surprise. Uh, I knew about the much shortened or, you know, attempting an enduro from its opening year. You might think about doing a three or a six hours. Le Mans didn't. They went for the 24 hours straight away in 1923, but it took a while for Daytona to get to that full extent. You found, though, when it was slightly shorter later in the I run. have, because I thought it was about 1969. You said oil crisis was 72, 73. It was the 1972 race. It was, went to Ferrari. A couple of drivers, you won't have heard of them. Jackie Ickes and the Mario Andretti took victory there in one of those glorious 312p Ferraris with a couple of local lads, I reckon. But one 72. Hit, one hit I, I'll have to look. Was that due to the oil crisis? Because in my mind, the oil crisis was 1973, but it, it didn't happen and just go away. So it might have already, the rumblings might have started in 72. Something to look up. Uh, before we start commentating about Daytona all over again. <laughs> well, we talk about Daytona simply because uh, for, I think, the first time ever, will be the first time ever, the two races here in Dubai and out there in Daytona are occupying the same hours, not quite the same start and finish times, but there's a significant overlap in between. And that race now underway... Um, but not by very much. I mean, we're only in the opening hour of that particular race. Stick with us here, though, on RS1 would be my suggestion. If you've got this far within Dubai, then you have to stay with this, the coverage of this race, unless you're very clever and you've got some sort of setup which involves two screens and a headset that is pumping our commentary from Dubai to the left ear and John Hindoff and the rest of the, the team on RS2 IMSA radio into the right ear. Well, and you, your brain... For, good reason may well be fried by the end of the 30 plus hours that it will take to get through both yeah you certainly feel that would be the case nine hours is the time difference between dubai and uh, the sunny climbs of florida but uh, we are focusing entirely on what's happening in this the 19th runner one of the cars that appears to have had 
little bit of trouble. His bodywork is being taped back down. Is the number 961 Porsche from the very, very well-occupied uh, Porsche 992 Cup class. And that's clearly had a little bit of a knock here, there and everywhere. One of the two FAC Autotech cars shared by Michael Hinderer, Mark Devis, the Belgian racer, Yves Skikama, Skimana, a historic racer by and large, Christian Treber and Nico Verdonk. And the suspension damage as well. So I think the front corner is effectively, front right corner is being replaced there. Yeah, so the taped-up bodywork is the quick job to do, but then feverishly working into the wheel arch to find out precisely how much damage has been done beneath the skin, and that's all the important stuff. Mark Devis bringing the car in, and uh, Fak Autotech deep in conversation, being looked on by Diana Binks. It is indeed. They said that the front right suspension was broken and they've been working very, they're working to repair that. So as you can see, there's a lot of people around the car. They're fairly confident though that they're gonna get the car there. The drivers are ready with the helmet on to get back in the car. So we'll see if it goes out in the next few minutes. Thank you, Big C. Yeah, Fak Autotech will be one of a number of teams that uh, will be able to do running repairs very efficiently indeed, considering their vast amount of years of Porsche one-make racing. They've also entered this race a number of occasions, so although their expertise is in sprint Carrera Cup uh, competition, then uh, also they know how to set a car up to be good across this sort of length of event. And will kick, kick start straight into action as well. There won't have been a hint of anybody slumbering before that happened, I'm sure. We're just after quarter past 11 local time. The hotel that greets everyone approaching turn 16, showing its rainbow LED lights that were introduced a few years ago that tend to change throughout the course of the evening and into the early morning hours. It's quite remarkable. They actually change according to the, the relative biorhythms of all the drivers as they go past. It's just AI at its craziest. Um, <laughs> One of the things I absolutely love when you get a shot into a pit garage where work is going on, you easily, instantly focus on those who are at the affected part. But if you look in the background, there are other PC members going around, particularly quite deep into the first 12 hours of a race, just seeing what else needs to be attended to. Mm. There might be some things that the driver hasn't even reported unaware of. And I can see several team men members. I couldn't see where Alexander Fack, the team boss, was. He was probably directing what was happening in that front right uh, wheel arch. But again, another factor that uh, you can see how the, the teams that are more experienced have got plenty of light they put under the cars. Because otherwise, nightfall, you've got all your light coming down onto the cars from the roof of the garage. But when you're under a wheel arch, it's very dark indeed. So you've got these little strip torches that get put underneath and it doesn't half help the mechanics. Yeah, Nick Damon often speaks about the, the famous smartphone torch that these days is utilised together with the £10 lump hammer and the tie wraps as well. But these clever LED wands almost that you can get a couple of, uh, of them and just shove them under the car and immediately illuminated the working area. And, and quite often the mechanics, particularly after nightfall, will have a head torch on as well because obviously as they're looking it'll turn with them. Um, but the lights underneath just cast the light around and, and offer shadow as well, which is often very important if you're looking to see where the, where the damage is lying. But uh, basically, you can't afford to just say, hey, you guys, could you just fix that front corner? You've got to get it, get it in there and look for any other ancillary damage. And a little-known fact about head torches is that our good friend and colleague at Le Mans still, uh, Paul Truswell, one of the, the key people to introduce head torches into a race meeting. It was all the mechanics that saw him up in the, in the commentary box thinking, 
That guy's able to see all the way through the night as well as the day. What a great idea that is. So it's that decision teaching the mechanics about the latest tool of the train. Oh, I know, but indeed, when they used to look across the track up to the... Uh to the heights where Paul was standing, they go, it's quite extraordinary, that person hasn't moved since the start of the race, and they were quite right. Indeed. Paul used to do the most outstanding stints, he used, in the early days he used to lap chart the entire race, another person who's going to be involved in the 24 hours our race uh, also has that habit as well, Jeremy Shaw, he's going to be deep in the action at uh, Daytona, but he's still, I worked with Jeremy when I started on Autosport, fresh out of university, that was me, not him, he'd been there for a few years already, but you know, he was the ultimate at lap charter, when he moved over to live in the States and edit on track magazine he'd still phone up to check i love this which engine builders had succeeded that weekend you couldn't just say who won a formula 4 1600 race because did they have a scholar or an Eureka engine in the back you know i nice. love that level of detail superb well yeah because that is then the information that everybody reads in the forthcoming weeks isn't it and you gain knowledge for the people that are, are so desperate to know the answers to those questions. Andrew Marriott, I would put into there as well. Yeah, uh, Jeremy, a little more techie than Andrew, but indeed. Uh, in fact, just may I say, uh, one RIP this weekend. Yesterday, uh, going back to the Formula Ford Festival and all things good at that, Herrick van Cohen died at the age of 60. Uh, just the most fantastic, really popular Dutchman with the best Cockney accent the other side of the English Channel. And uh, he'd been ill for a short while, but uh, a real friend to so many people in racing. Uh, so far too young for him to go, but uh, he, he certainly caused people to smile and caused Lola to smile because he, he won the Formula Ford Festival for them back when it was a hotbed with about 150 drivers turning up to try and compete and he took victory in 83. It literally, I think it was the first week I worked at Autosport actually, he won for Lola. Well done. Okay, yeah. Good memories and uh, real sad news coming through yesterday as we continue to enjoy this first significant 24-hour race of the year. I, think we, I suppose we can say this was marginally before the Daytona 24 hours, which has only started in the last 40 minutes or so. We've been going since, uh, since 1 p.m. Dubai time, and therefore since 9 a.m. UK time, and already having experienced 10 and a bit hours of this race. A pattern may well be developing for East Talent, for Get Speed, and for maybe Proton Uber competition, depending on how this stint is for Sven Muller. He is not quite on the lead lap. Wow, actually, this is going to be close because last time through the split, the gap first to second was a minute and 21. The gap second to third was 42 seconds. So that's just over, or maybe just on, a complete lap time of 2.02.203. So Sven Muller eager to try and get back onto the lead lap, but uh, Christopher Haaser will pose a difficult challenge, even just if you're wanting to unlap yourself, let alone overtake him for the race lead. Yeah, just quickly looking at the penalty screen to see if anything else has been happening recently. And um, this is a little unfortunate. Car number 929, one of the 992 Cup class, not respecting event rules of conduct 10 second penalty so a minor misdemeanor but uh, it does sort of set the mind wandering what has what has not been done rules of conduct doesn't necessarily mean conduct on track but well, it probably, no, it probably does it but probably it's, does but yeah it's quite wide right wide reaching other drivers still getting penalties for exceeding track limits but quite often a driver gets into their into their form into into their fashion but it's when a new driver takes over and they're just becoming accustomed to, say, racing here in the night for the first time. And as we heard a short while ago uh, from Stephanie Cox from the Salasin by Cox Racing Porsche crew that uh, at night time, it's not just the light that changes where you uh, make your braking points, it's also the level of dust, but the track temperature is beginning to fall. 
ergo you have slightly less grip and uh, you can imagine that's why drivers have to be completely on their toes and I do have sympathy because it can be very difficult uh, for the drivers to get it right when they first go out. 961 all the repairs that front right corner have been completed and the 961 Porsche back out of its pit garage going down no doubt to get a, a splash of fuel before going out but that's pitched it way down the order. Mark Davis brought it in for Fakorta Tech. It's fallen to 39th position overalls. Uh, not quite at the very, very back of its class, but in fact, of those that are still running. I'll tell you what, though, 50th position, a position has just been gained by Moon the Motorsport. They'd fallen down to 54th of the 54 starters, but uh, with all the electrical problems, they keep fixing them, keep going back out, and Brian Sursley, American racer, is uh, just out in that now, so Perseverance pays. They've got, uh, what, 13 and a half hours of racing ahead of them, so plenty of uh, time to have fun here in Dubai, but well done to the Fach Autotech team. They, they uh, pressed on, they've made it happen, they've got that car fixed. Had a funny feeling it wouldn't take them too long, too much experience and uh, too much willpower to make sure the car is not out of the race. Uh, so you take it fully out of contention. And with it being such a close class, you cannot afford to be spending a, a huge amount of time in pit road. It's all about keeping the, the car out of the pits for as long as possible. And the Porsche Cup division, arguably much closer than the varied field in the GT3 part of the race. And remember, three-pronged GT3 entries this year again, strictly speaking, actually, with a further subcategory involved as well as in AM Advantage. So the GT3 AM class split into two further parts. GT3 Pro-Am and GT3 are the other divisions within the fastest class. The 992s, certainly not too shabby on the straights because they're cup cars, they don't have anywhere near as much aero as a GT3 car, but the GT3s are strong through the corners, therefore, but often a Porsche cup car can outpace one of the thoroughbreds when you hit the main straight and the back straight. Right, when I just named Brian Sursley, American driver in the 961, I didn't actually know he was in that car. I had Nico Verdonk down as the fifth driver, but Christian Trauber, Yves Skimama, Mark Davis and Michael Hinderer, I believe, are the others. I'll take a look out for that. But anyhow, welcome to the track at nightfall. Brian Sursley, we'll see what he makes of it. Obviously, a long way back after those lengthy repairs, but Fakorta Tech were very, very efficient. The car is going again. That's all we can ask of them. Just looking up and down the classes to see if we've got any changes. GTX is still being led by Toro Verde with the Ginetta G56 Cup with a very talented Nico Pross at the wheel of that. 19th overall, second car in GTX is down in 24th. Mikhail Pitamba, the resumed more than racing KTM crossbow, bringing up the rear is that Vortex, still with Olivier Gomez at the wheel, but still some distance further back in 34th overall. Yeah, so still plenty happening up and down the order and uh, although we've had some rather big incidents here and there, and some big stories even before we got going with the non-start for Leipzig Motorsport number 63, the Lamborghini Huracan, which had qualified on the front row, but we've had incident for the Stefan Bayer-driven SRS Team Zorg Rennsport Porsche Cup car that sadly was out on the spot after just 39 laps completed. And that's after a reasonably sized incident that saw the car spin to the left on the exit of Turn 9 and spear into the Armco barrier, doing a lot of damage to the front of that Porsche and also to the Armco itself. That took very nearly an hour and 15 minutes to sort out under Code 60. 
Sven Herberger not fully admitting to the return of the steering issues for the Santalop junior team Audi from yesterday, but putting two and two together, I don't think I'm a million miles away, that the issue that Pierre Kaffer felt in qualifying then came back and possibly worse during the race for Sven. So that 18 Audi retiring. And the Grove Racing Mercedes when Phil Keane was driving it, car number 10 having an incident. Did you get to the bottom of that? I didn't. No, OK. But again, you, you just nip off for a short while, something happens, and it takes a while to catch up. Just noticing, though, that Haas RT, the number 21 Audi that was running in third place, had the spin uh, with Thomas Kiefer at the wheel. It's now out with Torsten Kratz, but it's dropped out of the lead in uh, GT3 AM, but that was uh, third overall when that happened. It's down to 15th overall. It's now sixth in class. So GT3 Am now in the hands of CP Racing with Shane Lewis, sixth overall. Uh, next in class is the BMW M4 GT3, Michael Johnson. That's car number 14. But the better place, the Century Motorsport Cars, is in fifth. But that's running in the different class. That's leading GT3 Pro-Am class in fifth overall. Jack Barlow, young British racer at the wheel of that. That's fifth overall. So it's Audi, Mercedes, Porsche, Audi, BMW and they're completing the top six. That's CP Racing, Mercedes, that leading the GT3 AM class following the, the demise or the delay, the spin, and then the re slow return to the pits for the number 21 Audi for Haas RT. Fabrizio Brogi returning to the race now for the Ebi Motors run Manamari Energy Porsche, that car in ninth place. And depending on how long it's just spent in the pits, might possibly drop behind Darren Turner's Mercedes into 10th we're about three and a half minutes between those cars prior to the the italian run uh, porsche making it stop and that's really a break away from anybody else that might be making stops um, in the vicinity if you like because the rest of the runners towards the sharp end happy to continue on we're on lap 17 for chris Hazer, the race leader Pitting a lap before that, last time out, was Al-Faisal Al-Subair. And Faisal getting some good average times out of that car. 203.3 across an 18-lap stint, which is not quite as quick as Christopher Haza, but you will struggle, really, to maintain Chris's sort of speed in an Audi R8 that he knows incredibly well. Sven Herberger almost down to the, av the same average time as Chris Haza. Sven's doing a 202.7 as a lap average across also an 18 lap stint so far and Alex Arker who took the Attempto racing car over actually didn't, he, he did a very short spell which may well have been during a code 60 prior to that I actually can't tell you which driver was in before Alex's current stint but if that was within a code 60 it, well, yes, it, there were yellow flags on the racetrack so basically he pitted twice one lap apart, did an outlap which became an in-lap and that meant that he could top the fuel up a little bit more to the tune of 25% and as a result has been able to do 18 laps since then. One thing that I always find is just so intriguing, when you're following a 24-hour race you get as many screens as possible to look at, sometimes you can bamboozle yourself with almost too much information. We become completely focused on the race but I've just, just had a message from someone who had just started watching the Daytona 24 hours and I've told him he can swap over and watch us as well mm. uh, for, uh, and that's John Watson he oh, can't right. get enough racing so he was all tuned for the big one the Daytona 24 hours but he's got the Dubai 24 hours so keep him through hours of darkness keep him occupied Wattie welcome on board 
Indeed so. So it's great. 1991 World Championship runner-up. Still can't get enough racing. And John is such a purist as well. He's brilliant company and um, always has a point of view, which is brilliant to have. And, and if what he does switch over to RS1, then he can hear you and I. And then you and I have also got a shift covering the Daytona 24 hours for their overnight stint. So if he's brave and wants to stay up all night, then uh, yet more of me and him. I did effectively offer that challenge. <laughs> Okay, yeah, so chase us around the RSL network and see, see if you can stay as wait, awake for as long as we will try and do. Now, what, one little story concerning Watty. Last year, it was a sensational book. It was about four years in the making. Brilliant portrait photographer, Indira Flagg, has captured the essence of a host of British racing drivers from the very youngest through to people with an enormous amount of experience. And probably Indira's one of her favourite photos in the book. It's my favourite photo. She went to John's house in Oxford and she wants to encapsulate, you know, a driver's hobby. What are they like away from the track? And almost without bidding, he went, would you like me to put my fishing gear on? So he went upstairs and got his waders. John is a passionate uh, fisherman. And he came down and he sat in his garden and, it, and it, he posed. And to me, that's the sort of quintessential, that little bit of humour that's always there with Wattie. And it's brilliant. If you do get a chance... Uh, it's, I'm trying to remember the title of the book, Indira will shoot me for forgetting. It's something like Great British Racing Drivers, but it's a brilliant, brilliant book, and most of the proceeds go to charity as well. See if you can find it. It's got the great, the good, the young, the old. There's also uh, someone I'm commentating with later this year at Goodwood. She does Formula One for Channel 4, Alice Powell. A couple of images, but when she was kart racing, she's got a really junior kart racer on the back, giving her piggyback, both smiling their heads off on a <laughs> kart circuit. So you've got this real diversity, because we tend to think drivers are all the same walk the paddock here they're not all the same all shapes and sizes ages levels of wealth but almost every driver has another interest that's been a passion either in childhood or since they've retired and i think it's just great for someone to get drivers to step back a little bit and be who they normally are because yeah, we yeah. all know a lot of them put the race face on when they come to race meetings but also that ability to not take oneself too seriously when <laughs> you're not behind the wheel of a racing car and uh, yeah absolutely you, there are some people, I suppose, who commit to motorsport and nothing else, but your worldly view might be compromised if you do decide to take that route. The Bentley Continental, uh, which uh, by Rob Huff's own admission, one of its drivers this weekend, might be a little long in the tooth from a technical perspective. Fascinating to hear him chasing the ABS problem in the car earlier on though and uh, the reset switch which should normally be positioned on the transmission tunnel uh, went for a burton i think it released itself from its more normal mounting point and ended up down in the footwell so he was ferreting around in that to make sure he could locate it and then press the reset button uh, well we always talk about how the top drivers have a, a degree of how much of their brain capacity is focused on the driving and then obviously the, the more at ease they are how much else they can apply their thought to but fishing around in the footwell right to answer my own question the book is called great british racing drivers and 10 percent of the proceeds from indira flack's book goes to um the prince sales sir jackie stewart's charity race against dementia because of course uh, this is the latest race in sir jackie stewart's life with his wife helen uh, suffering from dementia and he has focused so much good and an awful lot a focus has swung onto that charity and Jackie draws a lot of parallels with how Formula One works and how being professional works with how chasing uh, an answer he's looking for ways of uh, reducing the effects of dementia and he's certainly really in the way that only Sir Jackie can do powering on and doing a world of good in that but a brilliant book to buy as well so do look out for it mm -hmm. Now, the driver change taking place as we go code 60 again, and 
and I'm not sure we told you precisely why that was the case, but Code 60 is out nevertheless, and what did we get reported to us? An incident at turn 11. No, that was a long time ago. Oh, no, hold on, it's another person at 11. Sorry, I was looking at the timing on that, 23.32. Yes, so a couple of minutes ago. Yeah. Not telling us who. Indeed. So the Code 60 issued at 23 hours and 33 minutes, nearly 34 minutes, but... And actually, there's some recovery vehicles on the scene, but conveniently, the car in question, I think, right behind an Arnco barrier, so even now well, we can't pick it out. But also, if you think, let's see if there's a car on the, on the tracker map moving slowly. Of course, they're all moving slowly. We're under yeah. Code 60, so that is no help at all. But uh, you've got to the end of the back straight, turned right through Turn 10, and uh, a car's about to come in view, uh, tucked in behind... Being towed, it's a 278 Ginetta being uh, towed back in. So the rescue truck's got that very quickly. We'll have to draw it up the hill uh, to get it towards the end of the lap. Yeah, the other clue was that were there any cars stopped effectively at the end of Sector 2 waiting to be triggered through the tracker map, but because it's an incredibly busy part of the racetrack on the spotter uh, seg segment of the website, they were. Uh, 278 was getting completely covered by about six or seven cars. It now does reveal itself, not only in reality, but also on our digital aid. So Owen Hissey was running third in the TCE class, third and top in the TCX subdivision of that class. The better place, the two CWS engineering. Uh, Ginetta, so everybody else into the pit lane, including uh, very much uh, one of the front-running cars, Al Faisal Al Zubair, the Omani racer, coming in from second place in the Get Speed Mercedes. Chance to clean the windscreen, fresh set of tyres and a host of other cars coming in in the background. But again, when it's code 60, for those at the back of the train, it takes a very long time. At code 60, a lap is about 5 minutes 24 seconds. So think how much time it feels like today, tomorrow, and the next day have all been run through before you get back to the pits. All looks fairly measured down in the pit lane, but of course, suddenly, who's down in refueling? <laughs> First well, ones yes. in there are the lucky ones. Torsten Kratz is in there in the number it's one half-star T-car. Yeah, so crazy times. I think this Code 60, unlike the last one, has very much married up, Diana, when the cars needed to pit, so virtually all the front runners are in at the same time. It is, it's absolute mayhem down here in the pit lane, so I've just had to jump into a garage just to get out of the way. Um, CP Racing came in and they seemed to have a, a fairly clean stop there, but they had to halt the car as they were going to leave and go back out into the track as another car entered the pit lane, so that was averted really slickly, thankfully. So that saved any incident down there, but as you can probably hear the noise behind me, there are about eight, nine cars at the moment. The CWS 278 car has just come in. So absolutely <laughs> complete chaos down here at the moment. Well, glad to, glad to hear that you've made it to relative safety. I was going to say either a garage or get to the pit wall because now all of a sudden the 14 car is given the the go-ahead to be released and then the lollipop crashed back down again went, no, 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 there's still a car coming. So uh, with a fear of breaching... Uh, another car which is already in the fast lane and being governed to have been an unsafe release. I think they just about managed to avoid that down at the BMW crew, which was the Century Motorsport car that Michael Johnston has just brought in from seventh place. 
Right, of course, so we're back to green. You can hear the engine notes firing up, but having worked the, the pit lane in the Dubai 24 hours for many a year before sort of stepping into the commentary box, uh, I can tell you, you have long periods, particularly after dark darkness has fallen, where nothing seems to happen. And then you get this flurry, and I say with 54 cars starting rather than 80 and higher numbers we've had in the past, there is a bit more space for Diana and for Peter Snowden and uh, Chris Milburn to tuck themselves away at the front of a garage, because often those garages have got four cars allocated per garage, sometimes slightly more, and you have to just find a place where you can be very slightly out of the way, but yet still see what's happening. Hi, guys. I've got Shane Lewis. But uh, Shane Lewis has just got out of the CP Racing Mercedes and uh, didn't get a chance to run away because Diana has caught up with him. Well, I did catch him, and then he did run, run away, but he, he's come back again. He's just gone to get himself some water. So thank you, Shane, for uh, coming out to talk to us. Do you want to have a drink first? Have a drink, and I can talk about you. So, yeah, Shane's just jumped out of that car, and as we said a few minutes ago, it was pretty hectic down here in the pit lane, for sure. Um, obviously, that Coke 60 set everyone in, and they all came in at the same time, and I noticed that your car had to do a, a bit of a, a quick stop not to go out and get taken out by another car coming into the pit lane, so good action by the team. Yeah, things are a little tight here in pit lane. Uh, we actually thought this Coke 60 was going to last a little longer. We had a few service things we wanted to do. Uh, the moment we came in, we went back green again, so it didn't quite play out how we had anticipated. Um, so yeah, we're going to have to kind of rethink what we do over the next couple of hours. How satisfied are you with the performance of the team so far at this stage? Good. I mean, the, the pace of the front runners overall, they're really, really quick. I'm not sure how they're getting the kind of grip they are. Um, more power to them. We're running as hard as this we can possibly run out there right now. If you run it too hard in the beginning, though, the tire will really fall off. So we're trying to make a pace that we can do for a full foot fuel stint plus something. I mean, you guys here know how to run a 24-hour race. You, you, you know what the challenges are and you know what the expectations are. And, of course, you've got such a fantastic team here for supporting you. Yeah, I mean, what CP Racing does best, the longer the races, the better we are. The strategy from car preparation, brakes, everything that's out there, Tire management from all the drivers. Um, Darren Law, in first time with us here in a really long race, and he, he just helps add to that experience level of the guys for 24s. Is the car handling any differently now we've gone into the sort of cooler air? Ah, that's a great question. No, dang it. We, uh, no. I was really like, I'm like, couldn't wait to get in at nighttime. I was like, really looking forward to it. And then the, the level of grip just was not there. Uh, I don't know if I'm just sweating from getting out of the race car, but there's a little bit of a breeze, but it sure seems like the track temperature is still really high. Shane, thank you. Go and get a drink. Thank you, guys. Now, always good to hear from Shane Lewis. Uh, even if you're just listening to him, you can tell that he's got gesticulations coming left, right and centre. I thought you were going to say good interview. you can tell he's got sideburns. You can, if he turns both cheeks, of course. Just now, from the audio, though. Yeah. In, indeed, they are that bristly. But that was the eighth Code 60, and Phil Anson not in the commentary box at the moment. He'll be coming back in when we step out in quite a few hours' time from now. He's pointed out, if you scroll down the messages screen, if you go to live timing, sorry, statistics screen, which I don't normally scroll that far down, it'll tell you precisely who triggered each of the Code 60s, and car 278 stopped to turn 11. That's the information for Code uh, 60 number 8, and that was under five minutes of stoppage time. It was about uh, four and a half minutes of, uh, not stoppage, but slowing down time under the Code 60. And, of course, you could hear the crescendo as the cars were trying to get out of the pit lane having come in. They knew it wasn't going to be a long hold for them under Code 60, but uh, you could hear those out on the track and were roaring past while they were still at a standstill. So, back racing, we have... Uh, 
13 hours and just under 20 minutes remaining in this race. Not yet at the halfway point, but uh, I think we're starting to see those top three teams just pulling away. No top four teams now, because Proton Hooper competition have actually just fallen down to fourth place because the 99 Attempto Racing Addies moved ahead of them, but that's only because they've served their pit stop and the 99 car has only just come in to the pits as well. Dominic Bauman's gone back out in the get speed. Mercedes, that should go back into second place, but Simon Riker leading the way for the family team, East Talent Racing Team, with their Audi. That's car number 54, white and blue, very quick, and notably in the first stage of the race, and had to Manfred Winkelhock, sorry, uh, Marcus Winkelhock, I beg your pardon, uh, you know, quite feisty as well, working mm. his way up the order. That statistics page, uh, I've lost many hours of my life peering at that during uh, one of these events because there's panels for all sorts of different questions, some of which you didn't know existed, but there are answers nevertheless. Leader history, fascinating for me, that's number of lead changes, not necessarily the different leaders that we've had, but there have been 29 lead changes so far in this race, of which still 13 hours and 16 minutes to go, and of the eight different leaders, the number 54 East Talent Racing Team Audi has led the most number of laps at 146 of the 256 laps we've done so far. Let's head back to Binksy in the pits. It was just really a bit of an update for you, Johnny, as you were chatting there. Shane Lewis came back out from CP Racing, the 85, just to say, look, come and have a look at this air filter. They've changed three of them tonight in the car, and there's so much dust. And it's not dust, it's sand, but it's really black and really dirty. And he just said, we've never seen as much as that for a long, long time. Thanks, Di. Whatever you do, don't blow your nose until the end of the race. <laughs> In my experience, yeah, I was just about to say the same thing. You talk about tyre pickup, what about nasal pickup, which is often a thing for three or four days at the Dubai Autodrome. And often after a trip to Dubai, I was still finding bits and pieces of tyre pickup about a week on, frankly. But, but also you think about how your eyes get dried out here from the, the sand in the air as well as the lack of humidity. But I remember long, long ago, a colleague of mine uh, went out to cover what was then the Paris-Dakar rally. And of course, you're out in the desert, you're getting a load of sand in your face, but it was the fir his first outing wearing contact lenses. And unfortunately, he got sand under the contact lenses. It did not do his eyes a great deal of good and no. really suffered for quite some while. But uh, I suppose in the interest of uh, not wearing specs, it was the wrong event to choose to have your debut with the... Uh, the contact lens eyes but, uh, anyhow, still yeah. surviving still going but it was something he learned quite quickly don't do that one again yeah i'm a contact lens too contact lens wearer too and i know binksy from time to time is as well so uh feeling the pain certainly uh with i mean you don't want that as your first weekend of trying contacts out stick with the glasses side by oh. side for red camel jordans.nl porsche uh, cup car then with fabian dance and the 909 not jostling for position with the qmf racing car because the distance between those two is fairly significant i thought Bixie might have uh, her 10 penneth to say about the contact lens conversation though so go ahead <laughs> Well, as it happens, I do wear contact lenses, but I've had to take one out. Oh, so you're going solo? It was really upsetting my eye, so <laughs> basically I can only see out of one eye. Just to, just to let you know. <laughs> now, the eye that you could see out, OK. Down is that, here in the pit is that the one with the lens in or the lens out? I can't see. <laughs> no, we're over here, Binksy. That's we're over here. The lens out. That's the one with the lens in. <laughs> 
It works quite well. Actually, because it's so bright down here, it's, I've not really noticed too much of a problem. <laughs> but tonight, I'm in, a minute, you know, 10 minutes ago, it was absolutely mayhem down here in the pit lane, but it's all got a bit quieter now, and there's just a nice breeze that's that's kicked in. So we're, we're quite enjoying it, just waiting for the next bit of action to, to come. But a lot of the teams are all inside the garage. They're all looking a bit weary and having, you know, the eyes shut and I think that jinx will be happening soon a couple of the teams earlier on threw a bottle of water over one of the crew guys that had fallen asleep in his chair which is a little bit cruel I think but um, it's great to see that they are really engaging with this event it's a way to save money I suppose isn't it you know you buy a set of contact lenses but only wear one at once so you're doubling the period of time that you would normally get out of them yeah I noticed Binksy was only wearing one shoe as well I guess it's for the same reason It'll catch on, I'm sure it will. Alex Acker back into the race for Attempto Racing from fourth position that car has just pitted. Why did the 99 not pit with everybody else? It might have been, of course, that the fuel area was full at the time and they've had to come in to top that up. I'm not sure whether it was shown in the fueling area exclusively, maybe didn't stop with the team at all. I, I think quite simply, Johnny, they knew they, they weren't in the right position on the lap to be one of the first cars in. They knew it was going to be a short code 60 and the last thing you want to do is just report to the pits where it goes green. Yeah, yeah, it's a fair point. So by coming in during the green, you can take your full fuel allocation as opposed to the 25%, which is the new rule for 2024. That was a 23 lap stint for Alex Acker within which two of those laps were code 60. So, as you say, may well have been caught on the wrong side of the circuit. You can only pit, of course, if you're somewhere in that final sector and restricted to 60 kilometers per hour or 37 miles per hour. It feels painfully slow when you compare it to how, how quickly you can motor around here under these current green flag conditions. So that's by far the longest stint that we've had of that top five cars 23 laps but helped out by the extra fuel mileage you get through a code 60 christopher haas pitted during the caution after 21 laps al faisal al zubair 21 laps sven muller in the third place proton uber competition car that was a 19 lap stint and victor shaitar took over and jack barlow who eventually handed to lewis plato a 20 lap stint for car 22 just that thought about how slow it feels under Code 60. When we spoke to Mark Griffiths, who's had so much success in GT4 cars in Australia, great interview down there, but he was saying he had to, when that happens, he has to have someone sort of speak to him so he doesn't lose concentration because he just needs something to keep the focus, keep the focus, and he'd rather not be out there when it's Code 60, but drivers deal with things in different ways, but... Uh, you know, perhaps if you're running a business at home as well, your mind start wandering back, well, yeah. wandering back to that. But uh, certainly, it is a factor. And also, the further into night you go, the, the the more intrinsically tired a driver is when they get on board. They might physically not feel tired, but mentally, they're certainly at more of a stretch. So you have to have very various distractionary factors. But obviously, the car is automatically clicked to 60 kph. That's the theory. We did have the heart of racing uh, team. Mercedes being pinged six times with one driver on board, so I don't know what went wrong under Code 60, but it hit them with 52 seconds worth of penalty uh, to serve. So clearly something not quite right for them, but most of the teams have largely got it right under Code 60 so far. Eight periods of Code 60, we're green at the moment, and the lead, yeah, oh, we've got two Austrian drivers. I was going to say in the lead, but only one of them could be in the lead. That's Simon Reicher, but uh, Dominic Bauman, fellow Austrian, is giving chase to that East Talent Racing Team Audi, but the get-speed Mercedes is behind him by... Well, 
43 seconds. In fact, they're lapping at nigh on identical pace. So, but I expect Bauman to start picking up the speed and he ought to start chipping away at Simon Riker. But uh, for East Talent Racing, they have been in the lead a lot of this race, or certainly in the top three. And the fact is they've managed to do it consistently through their rotation of drivers. So um, that's very good news for them indeed. Uh, there were yellow flags being shown at turn seven not too long ago, just a minute and a half or oh, so, yes. that have now been cleared. So thankfully that didn't get any worse than the local yellow. And again, I'm just looking out for any notable longer sector one times. There's nothing that's standing out to me, so we can't get necessarily get to the bottom of that. But yeah. the good news is it's all green again. Yeah, and it's an unusual corner to get it wrong. I'm not saying it's an easy corner because you've gone... Through the fast first right-hander at turn one, through the left-hand kink at two, then two right-handers at three and four, the right left-hander at turn five, then you're turning through turn six, you're, then you get to turn seven, the second right-hander in a row, and it suddenly tightens up, but most people have enough space, they run wide over the curbs, and they're then interested in getting the car position for turn eight that leads into the corner, turn nine that leads onto the back straight. It may well be someone ran a little bit wide, and as we've been saying since the start of this race, or before the start of this race, on the track, it's still dusty, it's still dirty. Go out where the track is beyond the white line at the edge of the circuit, you can multiply the amount of dust by effect of, probably effect factor about three. Yeah. So suddenly a little moment becomes a much bigger one. I think that's what happened. Whoever went round there just had a little loop, waited for them probably to wait for a gap in the traffic if their engine was still going and rejoin. That's why it was a very short yellow flag period. The Lotus from... Lotus PB Racing is circulating on its 206th lap but I just wonder whether it's sector time so slightly off because 51, nearly 52 seconds to do sector 1, just north of a minute to do sector 2 it is capable of doing a 2 minutes 21 that's its best lap so far but is that Lotus in the hands of Vito Uzzieri just struggling for raw, absolute top end raw pace uh, we may get an answer in a moment or two when it crosses the line. Well, that, we, we commented before that uh, the sector time, the end of the first sector, in which he was relatively competitive, ends just out of turn seven. He may have been starting the second sector from zero miles an hour. True. So that yeah. could explain why he, he lost about ten seconds in sector two, which goes from between turn seven and eight to just after turn twelve. So possible. Yep. Vito's just crossed the line, and that lap was about 13 seconds slower than yeah. the car is capable of. Good so spot, Sherlock. That may well be the answer, as Peter Cox has just done the number 48 Porsche's best lap of the race. So clearly conditions are pretty good right now. A 202.257 for the Dutchman, and uh, Salas in by Cox Racing. We were hearing from Stephanie Cox, Peter's daughter, uh, earlier on in the piece, a very eloquent interview, I thought, and really putting across how the car was behaving at the time and how they were having to adjust it as well. And it is in seventh position. So, once again, on course potentially for a decent result there. I forget where the 48 car is in the um, GT3 categories. Is that an AM car or a Pro-AM car? It is an AM car, second okay. in class. And yeah. the gap to the car in front, which is the first in class, it's CP Racing, Darren Law-driven 85 Mercedes, is 26 seconds. And uh, according to the pace last time around for Peter Cox, he's taking four to four and a half seconds per lap out of that. So give him another six laps and he should be right on its tail. And Peter was a driver who got as far as uh, Formula 3000 in the British Formula 3000 Championship. Uh, back in the mid-1990s but uh, really he's been a sports car racer ever since and uh, 
It's one of the few drivers who's kept going from a single-seater career to move into his uh, fifth decade as still as a racing driver. So having your own team, Salisin by Cox Racing, certainly helps. But uh, he did a lot of development work for the KTMs when they first came into mm. racing for Reiter Engineering and uh, other, other engineers beside. But uh, Peter, very cerebral driver. And again, that shows in the interview Hi, with daughter Stephanie. Well, let's go down to, to Di Binks in the pit lane because she's not stopped. Obviously, just having one contact lens has worked really well for you, Di. What's the news? <laughs> I know I should do it more often, shouldn't I? Um, <laughs> I've just been up to the uh, 76, number 76 McLaren, and uh, they've got a gearbox issue, and they're um, struggling to, to fix it. They are trying. They've not shut the doors. They're going to do their best, but uh, it's not looking very hopeful for them, unfortunately. Yeah, we probably guessed that news, but thank you nevertheless for confirming. Um, they'll continue to push on until the bitter end, if you like, but, but they'll soon realise that you know they'll lose so much time and what they stand to gain is probably not worth shooting for any longer. There have been a number of stories like that far too early in this year's race. Uh, case in point, the Leipzig Motorsport gang with their Lamborghini Huracan, which didn't even make the start after a terrific display for Friday's qualifying. Simon Riker is now the new race leader for Estalent Racing Team. Their Audi R8 on lap 263. He's out front by 40 seconds over Dominic Bauman, so they traded a pro for another... No, they didn't, beg pardon. Uh, Faisal Alsubir stepping out and Dominic Bauman uh, into that car, so it was a semi-pro stepping out and Austrian driver Bauman listed as the pro driver along with Fabian Schiller in the number nine get speed Mercedes just working out how long Faisal had been in the car actually it was a stint and a half at the very least 21 laps which the start of that the reason for the pit stop was sort of instigated by a code 60 where everyone plunged in together and the driver change was done at the same time as well whether they were scheduled to do a driver change or not, I'm sure some teams were, their hand was forced somewhat. Why not do the more lengthy of the pit stops, which involves switching drivers, when that Code 60 was first announced? You stand to lose far less time, although you can only fill the car with a tiny bit of fuel. It's always a balance. That's we need as much intelligence as you can possibly get. How long is this one going to be for? I mean, the, the organisers will try and put up a message of if it's going to be a lengthy one, like the barrier repairs when the uh, 91 Porsche went off and reshaped them. And that was a, an hour and 11 minutes, the longest period. But some of the others have been just under five minutes. So you've got to be right on your toes. Right, here we are. Uh, almost down to the end of the ninth hour. 13 hours and two minutes remain in this race and the race lead 37 seconds it is slightly coming down and certainly Dominic Bauman is chipping away at the lead of fellow Austrian Simon Riker but it is still for now the East Talent Racing Team Audi leading the get speed Mercedes these two cars number 54 and 9 have been at the sharp end of the field the top half dozen pretty much ever since the shakeout in the first couple of laps when it really was the charge of the light brigade kicking out the dust the sand the dirt and remarkably Getting the field, 54 cars around that first lap without a spin. I thought it was almost guaranteed we'd have half a dozen cars off at the first corner. Certainly on their approach, four or five wide, it suggested that was going to be going on, but they somehow, with limited grip, got through. So well done. Yeah, an amazing bit of judgment. Maybe driving at, uh, well, I was going to say 75, 80%, but there wasn't an inkling of that from the pictures we were being shown because uh, everybody wanted to be leading 
at least on the exit of the first corner. Aliyah Earhart hung onto it briefly, but then washed out a touch through the uh, the predominantly right-handed corners in that early S section. Turn five, the only exception to that. But then you're hanging on really in the early part of the lap before tyre temperature is within the operating window through six and through seven. Almost wall of deathing it through there. And just the Audi washing out very slightly and that provided a slim but enough of an open door for Vavian Schiller to slot his Mercedes through and into a lead that he wouldn't relinquish until just before the first bout of pit stops that were at the other side of the hour mark. And ever since then, a whole load of pit stops for that Mercedes, 16 of them in total. There have been 17 stops for East Talent Racing's Audi. Simon Riker, the latest driver to be put on board that car. And Victor Scheitar for Proton Uber Competition with the number with the number 83 Porsche. And that car, a combined effort to get it into the race. The two very famous Porsche names, really, Proton and Huber. And that car going well earlier in the hands of Sven Muller. And now that Victor Scheitar has taken charge of it, it's still in the 201s. So not too shabby at all. Here's the number nine, Dominic Bauman driven Mercedes exiting turn 10 at the end of the long back straight then. Got turn 11, the tricky left-hander, which is uphill, slightly off camber to negotiate next. And then that short shot straight up towards turn 12, way over to the right-hand side as you peer at the racetrack from the main grandstand. The other thing I love about the particularly high up in the main grandstand here is the visibility of the track. You know, as a spectator, there are one or two corners hidden, like, for instance, turn 12 and down at turn number one. But otherwise, it's a fabulous place to watch motor racing. It really is. And in fact, uh, if you're a lucky member of the public, you can go onto that top deck to look down. And even at the top deck of the grandstand, which is somewhat below the hospitality boxes, the view is phenomenal. But the thing that always strikes me, not just that you can see all the cars, but at night, you also see the cars on the motorway in the distance. And then all the buildings getting ever closer. Where there was a sort of wall of darkness with Dubai city centre in the distance, it's no longer that case. You've got a lot of light beyond the circuit now. Um, which sort of makes the level of darkness around here just really feel very different indeed. And then, of course, you've got the extravagant hotels right next to Turn 12 with the, the multicoloured lines on the front of that, the lights there. But uh, for a photographer, there's so many angles they can pick out here with the gradient change available as well to just make it a point of interest. And some of the sunrises uh, have been phenomenal here. Let's hope we get a good one tomorrow morning. But it is harder for them to catch it now with more buildings ever closer to the edge of the track. But uh, certainly if they've done their, their homework on the days leading up to the race, they can come away with, with some absolute gems. Saturday night has become Sunday morning at the Dubai Autodrome. Exactly one minute past midnight, so into day two of the 19th edition of the 24 Hours of Dubai. This has uh, for a long time been a Friday-Saturday race, but with a change to uh, holidays within Dubai and what's considered to be the weekend, uh, it's married up with uh, perhaps more so Western culture and uh, therefore the race finishing on a Sunday, which may well fit into the diaries a little better for drivers who are more business people than full-time racing drivers and uh, Dubai, an incredibly busy airport, so you're more or less guaranteed to be able to get a flight late on on Sunday, or indeed Sunday afternoon, to get you home in time for supper. 
And obviously, if you uh, can shift your tickets, the Lightfoot Motorsport team would have probably dispersed and be halfway home by now because yes. they didn't get to start the race. Such frustration, second on the grid for the number 63 Huracan, but it didn't get into the start of the race. Stuck in the pit garage, a problem with the fuel tank, they never managed to fix it. Took a long time even to identify what they thought might be the problem, but uh, one of the favourites of the race aligned through them. What do you do? Stay and watch the race or you go to the start of the season? Maybe I'll get home and then regroup for the next race. But Leipzig Motorsport will be busy all around the world with their Lamborghinis, and uh, we'll see where they pop up next. In fact, are they competing in the Asian Le Mans Championship? Uh, I think they possibly yeah, could okay. be. Uh, we've had another change in pit lane with Diana Binks after a brief spell heading away, and uh, it'll be Chris back in pit row. We've got a local yellow out on track. Let's hope that gets no worse at turn 14. In fact, as I utter those words, it has cleared very swiftly indeed. But Chris, what have you got? Well, I've got the youngest man racing here today at the tender age of 16 years and two months. Kian Alazari, you joined us for the first time ever in the 24 hour. You were in a very competitive championship as well, racing in Formula 4. You race, but your first experience, probably not the best one so far, but it's great to see the cars back out there. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it's a great experience for me. Uh, first time in a 24 hour race. Uh, youngest ever driver to take part in this race in history, so it's an honor. I've been coming here so many years and uh, finally I'm able to take part in it myself. Uh, the race hasn't really been going our way so far. We've had a lot of issues uh, with the electrics of the car. Uh, the team have done a great job to fix it. We're back out running and I, I get in, my, in the car for my second stint now. Um, could be going a lot better, but you know, these things happen and it's, it's part of endurance and uh, hopefully it'll go better, uh, but I'm really enjoying myself here. And it is quite a big uh, change from Formula 4, but uh, I'm really enjoying it, and uh, it's, it's a new challenge for me. And uh, yeah, see how far we can go in this race. So that was my next question. What is it like, because obviously last week you were racing the F4, and then you've jumped into the uh, GT3 here. What's the biggest difference between the two of them here? Uh, I mean, it's a completely different mentality, you know? I come from sprint racing where I want to push every single lap. Here I need to maintain myself, watch around. Of course the cars are really different, it's about double the weight, double the horsepower, so it's something I have to get used to, you know, bigger brakes, more weight transfer. But uh, I've been getting on really well, I had a really strong stint, uh, then I had an issue towards the end. You know, these things happen uh, and let's see how this, this thing goes, you know. I'm learning every lap in this car and uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Thanks so much, Keanu, for talking to us there. Hope it all goes well for you, and hopefully no more electrical gremlins. I think at the age of 16, I was watching the first race here back in 2006. I can't imagine what it's like to be racing a car here, though. Yeah, time moves on very fast. Thank you very much, Chris. It does make you feel slightly old. That's a car, it's more than a motorsport car, the one that's had all the electrical problems, 91, and is the youngest driver in the pack. And give us his full name, Johnny, then. Keanu Alazari of uh, the UAE, although speaking very much with a Dutch accent, I would suggest. One of the two semi-pros within that lineup. So sharing with Vlad Lomko, who was also an SP, and then Gilles Vanillet, all the bad luck seen when Gilles took over that car. So many laps in and out and in and out with the ignition issue. And uh, Brian Searsley, the other driver, to make it uh, two AMs and two semi-pros within Bernhard Mulner's team meantime we as i say go into the early part of sunday morning 
but still not broken the back of this race, as in we're still on the front nine in golf parlance. Another 53 or so minutes before we do get to that half distance marker. 267 laps completed. We're so far off a distance record, it's untrue. We were trying, at the start of the race, we were kind of aiming for 629 laps to break the record set in 2012. And, um, well, at this rate, we're going to be lucky to get to 500 laps. Well, no, a little more than 500 laps. It'll be maybe 550, the speed we're going. Meanwhile, the rather tattered BMW has just come into pit road. This is the 429 uh, yeah, BMW. That's, that's the Century Motorsport version. And the left rear flank, the rear wheel arch just behind there to the tail of the car, has been uh, pulled asunder. So that was uh, had dropped from second in GT4 to third. That's Piers Johnson at the wheel of that. Piers has been racing for a very long time indeed. Great to have him back in a competitive car, but clearly had a little catch with someone else. We've had those two very short yellow flag periods, uh, one at turn seven and one at turn 11 recently. So who knows if uh, that led to the damage, but uh, certainly that car is being wheeled back by Century Motorsport to be worked upon. So up into second place in GT4 goes Cameron McLeod, third generation Australian racer. There, his uh, grandfather won at uh, Bathurst long, long ago. And then his father, Ryan, is... Uh, a big mover in the Mark Cars program down there in Australia and frequently up here. Haven't got one of them out this year. Again, sometimes we talk about the change of the makeup of the cars, but for so many years, Mark Cars have brought brilliant shapes here into a lot of the 24-hour H races around Europe, but uh, hopefully we'll get them back in the future. But certainly for the youngest third-generation Cameron McLeod had been racing in Britain, then COVID hit, and he sort of his season was very curtailed in just when you're starting your single-seater career, you do need a little bit of career momentum. So very difficult for drivers of his age. A bit like, you know, school pupils getting into their top couple of years at school and then having lessons online. You know, it's a very different equation. But hopefully he's getting the momentum back into his career. Yeah, the headquarters of Mark Cars, still in Norwell, uh, Queensland. And I remember the early days where they used to bring the Focus... GTC, so it looked like a Ford Focus. And but the Mazda 3 series as well, that was there yeah, again. Mazda came like after it. that, didn't it? But yep. uh, it was the same body shell, then you just sort of stretched the, the body panels over the top. And side by side, they really didn't look much different from a Focus or a Mazda, but uh, under the skin, tubular space frame chassis and uh, uh, just a thoroughbred racing car, but uh, began racing on a lot of the supercar circuits back in Australia, particularly Bathurst during the 12 hour there and then it's not a huge journey to make to Dubai a quarter of the way around the world if you like to get here well, it's a, it's a bit like, though, if, well, it's even closer if you if you come from Western Australia. People like uh, Daniel Ra Ricciardo, you know, it was closer for him to go racing in Malaysia and Southeast mm. Asia than it was for him to go to the eastern seaboard of Australia, which, you know, thousands of miles. And uh, so that's really gave him his international springboard. And from there, of course, he's done incredibly well. But again, you just realised right, races in, in the UK, in Europe, are pretty lucky. It's never very far to a race circuit, is no. it? Good point. Yeah. And that can, you know, through no fault of your own, purely by luck as to where you're born in the world, can really affect uh, a career in not just motorsport, but, but international sport as a whole, and can rather fashion your opportunities 
and lots of brave youngsters throughout the years have fully committed to moving many thousands of miles or kilometres away from home to try and get their opportunity. And and not to face not to, to beat around the bush either. An awful lot of them have to move into a country in which the language is not their own. Yeah. And I do remember some of the Brazilian races used to come up uh, armed with money. They all seemed to be wealthy, but not actually all of them. The likes of Roberto Moreno lived in a little Fiat camper van at Snetterton through the winter to be there to try and make sure he had a Formula 4 drive. And that is sticking a neck out. Snetterton in summer can be cold and windy, but uh, in winter. <laughs> so, you know, that's why so many people in the sport really respected the likes of Roberto Moreno. They, they pushed and pushed and pushed and made it happen. And someone who helped him early in his career was Nelson Piquet. And when they stood on the podium together at Suzuka, when... Uh, Roberto had his moment of moments when he fleetingly was with uh, Benetton. It was, it was a very special moment, I think, for people who were close to him. Simon Riker leading the way after 270 laps, but now only by 24 seconds over Dominic Bowerman in the Get Speed Mercedes. It's Victor Scheiter in the first of the Porsches, and then a BMW. I was making the, the comment many hours ago that it would be nice to get an M4 up towards the sharp end of the order. They were never been that far away, but I think at the time the best was maybe seventh or eighth. But every credit to those involved with Century Motorsport and just plugging away, really, and playing your... Not necessarily being distracted about what's going on around you on the timing screen, playing to your own game plan at the start of the race and Lewis Plato doing a 203.8 the car ahead of him is now going to dive into the pits in fact and let's just check that that is roughly on schedule for Proton Huber competition it's the end of 17 laps for Victor Scheitar Sven Muller went further than that in his stint previously 19 laps we managed to get from Sven just the 17 though for Victor Scheitar might be because this is a double and he's wanting to split what will be a, um, a good effort over the space of what two hours really in this segment of the race just had confirmation you know sometimes we throw up a thought and don't have time during the race to check it out Dan Gurney pushing his car over the line at, uh, it was the initial it was a 1966 Daytona 24 hours oh, okay. that's the one that Ken Miles won so they would have both been presumably in four GT40s, obviously both very tight in with that. Thanks, Ian McCarthy. Always a very great safety net to us. So he checked that out for us. Ken Miles passed him to win in the final minute. Will this year's event, the 62nd at Daytona 24 hours, throw up such a tight finish? Well, let's find out. There's sure to be some drama. The race is already underway on RSL, RSL so do check it out and see how we progress from here with that race. It's going to be a cracker, very competitive at the front. RS2 IMSA radio for um, for parallel coverage, if you like. So we've got all of Dubai covered right here on RS1. But if you cannot bear to keep away from the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship and their opening race of 2024, the Rolex 24 of Daytona, then you can join John Hindoff and the rest of the crew in Florida for that race, which is about 90 minutes old already. But no spoilers over here, because I'm sure many of you will want to consume all of Daytona and then maybe slightly delayed start to watch the Daytona 24 hours. Is anybody going to do 48 hours? Um, you know, so literally do them back to back with uh, and try and stay away from any social media that might give you clues to the result of Daytona. Every credit for doing that. If, I mean, it is possible, I'm sure, but you'd have to be very disciplined. Some people aren't even content with just doing, just watching the two races, one staggered, maybe chopping and changing in between. Arnage Rob, 
Evening guys, he's multitasking, tuning in from Sheffield in England, watching six hours of the Dubai 24 hours, then I went out to buy my new car, brackets Audi, now enjoying your new fantastic coverage of Daytona. Oh, trying to put one over everyone, are you? Right, OK, there's the challenge, it's been laid down, you've got to buy two cars to outflank Arnage Rob. Well done, Rob. <laughs> so... I can only assume he's hit pause on Dubai and, you know, we're sort of static somewhere in the ether after the six hours and then he, after six hours of Daytona, he'll go back to Dubai to watch another six hours of that and work his way through in a staggered formation. Yeah, probably having bought his new car, he popped in to pick up a pizza on the way home so he's got some sustenance and is now going yeah. through. But I must confess, the uh, the setups, the studio setups we have, they're almost more screens than we have and these are people at home, often just down in the shed. Um, with their six-screen setup, and it is quite phenomenal. The level of commitment, and uh, also, of course, you you can pick up live timing. You've got a couple of screens uh, for moving images. There is so much information you can get, and I've said this to you many a time. I really think if I was a teenage lad with all this information, schoolwork would have been even more on the back burner. <laughs> How's your homework coming? Well, it's lap 32. Don't worry. Yeah, I'll get to it eventually, but uh, can't tear myself away from. A wonderful fight out on track for the time being. We've had uh, quite a lot of those so far. And just when you think that the the luck's going in the direction of one particular car here at Dubai, then somebody else crops up back in contention. Although it's just starting to be concentrated now within GT3 at least on the East Talent racing team Audi, the jet speed Mercedes, car number nine the 83 Porsche that has been strong from the off when Sven Muller began that car. But I do think BMW are working their way into the fight. And that's the fourth of the four big German manufacturers tacking, tackling this race once again. You know what's important? When you tidy up a query, actually get it right. Apologies to Ian McCarthy. It was the other Florida circuit. Uh, Sebring 66. Sebring. Of course, Sebring famous for six years earlier. Jack Brabham pushing his Cooper to the finish line. Let's get, grab another word with Chris Milbourne in the pits. With a Porsche, uh, and of course they've come in now and they are fixing the lower wishbone on that car. Okay, well, there have been one or two issues with Porsche Cup cars and bent suspension. Uh, maybe as a result of excessive curb hopping but i think to do substantial damage to a suspension arm that's more likely to be side by side contact or a glancing blow into a tire or armco wall and uh yeah worthwhile knowing about that update as uh, some of the porsches in this race have been going supremely well others though with some early bad luck in the former category, definitely Red Camel Jordans.nl with Fabian Dance driving car 909. And they are leading the 992 division now from a pit stopping QMMF by HRT Porsche, the 931 car, which uh, now has Ghanim Al Ali at the wheel of it, rejoining and losing a spot because of that pit stop. So Philip Hamprecht gaining in RPM Racing's Porsche, the all green. Crone Racing Green 907. So back up to second place for that, and 931 should slot in behind it. Yeah, the 909 crew have been holding down that 15th place overall. That's the Red Camel Jordans NL uh, crew of the uh, three Broikers, father and two sons, Evo 
Rick and Luke, but it's uh, the Swiss driver, the interloper in the car, Fabian Dance, who's leading the class and lapping very consistently and no doubt running to some very strict orders from the pit garage from the, that team tactician, Paul Trusswell down in the bowels there, uh, working away as ever. But uh, certainly a comfortable lead at this stage in the race, a lap and a bit for the Red Camel Jordans. Entry there, car 909, looks great. That was the car that, in the lead-up to the race, wasn't there a for sale sign on the roof? One of the cars had one popped on board, and we were debating what the price might be. I think it's Evo just uh, toying with the opposition. Surely they're not going to sell the car and do something else. There'll be one or two in the team that that will come as some surprise, I'm sure. <laughs> Maybe it was put on as a threat. You will deliver. Well, yes. Don't get the result, and we're out of the game. No chance. Broika's family, particularly Evo, have been at this for four decades, maybe more than that. It's not, it's not a new, uh, it's not a new way of playing life. This. No, indeed. Well, Fabian Dance has actually got plenty of company. He's been caught and possibly about to be passed. It doesn't matter. It's a car from the GT3 class. It's the Team Parker Racing Bentley, right on the tail of the Red Camel Jordan's uh, Porsche from the Cup 2 class, and it's. Uh, the second of the sons of Sean Lynn. Alex is racing in Daytona, but Max is tucked into that 31 Bentley. Quite a venerable car in GT3, but uh, the pace he, he, he will catch, he will pass. He's just got to find his moment to get past the 992 Cup car. And uh, Fabian Dance will have messages from the pits. You do not need to fight this one. This is uh, your leading the 992 Cup class. Let him by if needs be. So Max Lynn just trying to have caution not make a, a stupid lunge he's going to look for the space to do it and the best place to do it is down the back straight the infield straight between turns nine and ten he pulls to the right hand side of the circuit and more to the point fabian dance pulls to the left to give him space and the move just being completed or is it he's down the inside of the bentley on the turn into turn number 10 so gets the job done and in fact just behind them on the circuit is a century racing bmw m4 gt3 and i think it's the one that with lewis plato is on board i would suggest and that's running third overall so that really has come forward in recent laps just trying to identify yeah i'm fairly sure that is the the car in third overall it should be the 22 uh, bentley being driven very well indeed by british racer lewis plato lapping as fast as the car in front of him which is dominic bauman in the get speed car but that is uh, fully a lap and a half ahead of him but uh, again lewis plato we said we're watching bit by bit johnny the century motorsport bmw's just coming up the order they started outside the top 10 but as others have had trouble but more to the point as the crews have become comfortable in the race possibly as the temperatures fall a little bit and the dust dissipates we hope through the night it's coming to them in the in the bentley but uh, in this race of pretty much 50 percent light 50 percent dark you know to have a car that goes well in the dark is is uh, you know very useful thing over the rise uh, at least three sets of headlights suddenly pierce their way through the darkness it's surely tricky from a driver's perspective to when you are in those darker areas of this 5.3 kilometer circuit to know first of all who you're about to catch so slower traffic well how slow are they likely to be going probably this far into the race most drivers will have identified each and every car out there and just the minute differences in the paint scheme and the, and also the headlight cluster shape or head the rather the tail light cluster shape maybe the more difficult thing though is when you're a mid-pack car and potentially being caught because you're just being dazzled by those incredibly efficient headlights and is it going to be a quick car that's going to be passing you in the next sequence of corners or is it a car that's from your class and therefore you want to be keeping the pedal down to try and stay in front? Well, the good news, Johnny, 
is that Mulder Motorsport car doesn't appear to have an ignition problem at the moment, all, all the problems that have slowed it. But the bad news is the front left corner of the bodywork is being taped back into position on the 921. American racer Brian Sersley in that. I tried to put him in the 961 fleetingly about half an hour ago for some unknown reason. I couldn't read the numbers on the door of the car, but it's blue, it's white, it's Mulder Motorsport, and uh, Brian looks so he's about to go back in the race. Just a little light front bodywork damage in front of the front left wheel. Tape back down, just getting the car fired up and underway. So let's hope all those electrical problems are behind them. They'll just run at the pace they can run now without any further mechanical interruption. And about time too, says yeah. Bernie Mulner and the rest of the crew there at the Belgian uh, outfit. They've spent far too long in the pits to date. It's actually only 11 stops, but a lot of those have been for a lengthy period and the fight back maybe can continue from now. They're 18th in the 992 class. Yeah, but such have been the delays. There are 113 laps down on the class leader. So night, but it almost is the entirety of the night behind. But they're keeping going, and we see this year in, year out in endurance races. You've come here, you're going to enjoy the race, come what may, get back out there. And that's precisely what Mulner Motorsport is doing. In fact, the next car they're going to pick off is one that's been parked for a very long time in the order. That's the Dragon Racing uh, 296 GC3 Ferrari, car number 88. Last driver in that was Jordan Groger. And that, he's still got to find six laps to uh, finally get into 49th position as we talk about them all in the motorsport car. Up front, though, uh, the gap used to be 40-something seconds. It's now just 21.1 seconds between Simon Riker, who's being chased and caught by fellow Austrian in the uh, Dominic Baumann in the Get Speed Mercedes, who is, I think, pretty much the fastest driver on the track. Uh, no, matched by Victor Scheitar, who's running fourth in the Proton Uber competition. Uh, Porsche 911, car number 83. And bear in mind that uh, those, those cars, along with the 54 Audi from East Allen Racing, the car that's leading right now, were the cars that really were setting the pace in the early hours of this race when all was light and dusty before we went to, well, the current setting, which is dark and dusty. Just looking to see it. Also, bear in mind, in GT3, it's not just GT3, it's GT3 Pro-Am, and that's the, being led by the car in third position, leading the Pro-Am class there, uh, Lewis Plato, the number 22 Century Motorsport BMW, and GT3M still in the hands of CP Racing, Darren Law on board, that's sixth overall, but leading the GT3M class. Keeping an eye on the still running Haas RT Audi of Torsten Kratz, who is one of the very swift AM drivers in the entry, so that's car 21, Torsten um, one of the real secret weapons when it comes to ACO rules racing. He's still a bronze, but one of the quickest bronze drivers out there, actually. So, so many different teams keen to get him as a signing, perhaps even sometimes on a temporary basis. Just speak to Greg Murphy about that, but Murphy prototypes. They have Torsten Kratz, who doesn't quite make the AM plus bracket either, unlike his teammate Thomas Kiefer, so within the number 21 Hassar T Audi, there are three AMs, Torsten has mentioned, Stanislav Minsky and Mika Panu. And then you've got Thomas Key for the AM Plus and the Macho Dead Tree semi-pro driver. And Dead Tree's always been pedalling that car very swiftly indeed. Unfortunately, when it was in the early stages of this race, it was well up there in third and fourth and fifth positions, but now circulating in 14th spot and just ahead of the 909 Red Camel Jordans.NL Porsche. Yeah, I think the reason that Torsten isn't in the top category there is the fact he's 53 years old, so he's uh, put onto sort of bronze 
ranking, got a huge amount of experience, has been competing in almost every class of the Nürburgring 24 hours since 2005, but as you pointed out, in recent years, been racing a P3 car, class car in uh, the Le Mans Cup, and um, Murphy, Murphy Prototypes last year ran him in that, and WTM by Rinaldi Racing, so plenty of experience in GT cars and others, but again, also having that experience of racing at night, all those Nürburgring 24 hours, which, let's face it, uh, could offer pretty much any sort of weather pattern you, you may imagine, not necessarily the one that you want, but uh, certainly Torsten, a very safe pair of hands when it comes to time of darkness. And that's precisely where we find ourselves here, where half the race will be in dark and half will be in light. There's uh, only a couple of seconds between Scott Noble and Dennis Ritara now, I notice. Huber Motorsport and Salasin by Cox Racing's Porsches. So that battle just on the fringes of the top 10, well, for 10th and 11th. But uh, could be about to change because Rotera's pace is a little more potent than Scott Noble currently. Other close gaps, well, not anything as close as that. There's 16 seconds between Victor Scheitar and Alex Acker. Proton versus Attempto, so that's a Porsche versus Audi fight. And again, the constant presence of slower traffic compared to your GT3 is something that's always drawing the attention of those cars and drivers that are in the top 15 places. Spin that around, and likewise, if you're in a middle-paced car, then uh, a cursory glance to the mirrors just before turning is near enough essential to make sure that a GT3 car hasn't sneaked up on you in the darkness of uh, this early morning competition now and we've seen some close calls we've also seen some contact at apex of certain corners notably turn one in the first few hours that to be avoided yeah by and large i think it's been a very clean race so far quite a few of the incidents have actually just involved one car looping on its own of course we've had uh, some taking to the barriers most notably the 927 the srs team saw Grensport uh, porsche cup class car uh, with poor Stefan Bayer, not very long into his stint, and did all the damage coming out of turn nine onto that infield straight. An hour and 11 minutes, the uh, Code 60, while the barriers were repaired, but uh, they did a very fulsome job. Then, of course, a lot of track cleanup as well. It gave them a chance to sweep around the edge of the track and remove some of the debris, not just from the incident, just from the cars racing around before. And uh, the track vehicle cleaning it, it had its own dust storm. There was so much dust down mm. there, not just the dust, but also the, the quick, the rapid dry... Uh, material put down to soak up any of the fluids out of that car as well but it certainly was a very very slippery start to this race but I think you know hats off to the drivers they did a, an outstanding job at the start of the race 54 cars on a really slippery lap uh, completed the entire lap without a single spin and it was very very tidy maybe because they were all slightly more cautious because they knew how slippery it was going to be and that moment where they all traditionally piled down there full of full of vim vigor and attack on the opening lap of the race Dominic Bauman last time around doing a 203.6 in his second place car. So Simon Riker, well, I should be able to get a current average lap time for Simon. Simon's he, pace has improved, yeah. whereas Dominic seems to have plateaued. He was taking quite a few seconds about him early in the stint, but uh, Simon's definitely responded. Uh, just waiting for that relevant screen to fully update but it looks like Simon is roughly in the mid 203s whereas as an average Bauman is doing 201 maybe just creeping into the 202s so marginally is going the way of Dominic Bauman but uh, as you say the 
the bulk of that early stint pace is maybe just starting to disappear a little bit for the Austrian. 203.3 for Bauman, 203.5 as an average for Simon Riker. So there's about a second difference between the two and therefore a second every lap that Bauman is sort of closing in on Simon Riker. Got the gap down to 21.7 seconds after a meaty stint already. So much so, it won't be too far away from seeing those cars on pit road, I would have thought. 23 laps for Riker, 24 laps for Dominic Bauman. Lewis Plato now in third position, 25 laps because Victor Scheitar pitted, remember, seven laps ago, and that's given Lewis Plato a, uh, a podium slot as we go, but still over half the race to elapse. Yeah, give us half an hour, though, and we'll get you up to mid-distance in this 19th, 24 hours of Dubai. Full cover of darkness, been with us for a large number of hours already. Temperature's beginning to drop a little bit in the pits, but it's always very, very slow to go. Then it can get really quite cool in the hours before the sun comes back around, but uh, actually a bit of cool is quite welcome, because come what may, even on the cooler days in late January, it's still plenty warm enough through the day, and as always with the concrete pit area, it sucks in the heat and holds onto it for a long time after the sun goes down, so for a lot of the crews, as they get tired, it's actually better to keep them focused by the temperature just falling, that little small number of degrees makes the world of difference CP Racing now have Darren Law in the controls of the Mercedes number 85 and although that dropped down to the middle order of the 50-odd car field a few hours ago they again have been playing to their strengths and fully concentrated on getting the lap times down consistently and the CP Racing Mercedes back up to sixth position now just caught a glimpse a moment or two ago of the heart of racing by SPS car with Pierre Kleinubing piloting that Mercedes AMG to car 27 in 13th place. Yeah, and we had Century Motorsport going up into third place. They're going to go down to fourth place any moment now because Victor Scheitar in the Proton Huber competition, number 83 Porsche should go through because Lewis Plato in the 22 BMW M4 GT3 is in the pits at the moment. So he's risen to third. He'll fall back to fourth, maybe even to fifth behind Alex Arkinarka, the attempt to racing Audi as well. In fact, I think he will go back to fifth overall. But bit by bit, almost at the halfway point in this race, the Century Motorsport, particularly the number 22, car from their camp going better and better the sister car car number 14 in the hands of Chris Salkel has been eighth for a very long time and there it remains at the moment if it can find half a dozen, uh, dozen seconds it may be able to catch up with Fabrizio Brogi in the Manamari energy by AB Motors Porsche but that out on track has always been just a margin quicker so it will chop and change according to when they make their pit stops. But again, I guess the main change is Lewis Plato, or certainly the 22 Century Motorsport BMW goes to fuel, will be the fact that Victor Scheitar and the 83 Porsche from Proton Huber competition will go back up into third place. It's shown supreme form in the early stages. The race Sven Muller at the wheel, and expect when he gets back on board, it will fly all over again. So the front runners staying relatively in order at the moment but uh, we'll see them as they shuffle through their through their cycle but certainly once you get Sven Muller back on board the 83 Porsche it will really fly you can be sure of that he looked fantastic in the early stages of the race Mattia Merafina has just done the uh, his car's best lap of the race so far which is the number 26 Santa Locke junior team car and Stefano Daste 
pushing on in 226, which is the Lotus uh, of uh, PB Racing. So we were a tad concerned about a slight off-track moment for that Lotus, maybe about an hour or so ago now, but a cracking lap that's just been uh, posted by Dastay, a former uh, really swift pilot in uh, BMW Touring Cars. And that TCE entered Lotus, which is a slight misnomer because uh, it's not a it's not a TCR car, quite obviously, and um, bears little relation to a supermarket type um, to a supermarket type tin top, if you like. But uh, you know, uh, uh, what Creventic have done is found a suitable position for it in the race, where there are comparable cars to race with. Some supermarket, supermarket car parks are more sort of well, exotic than others. I think that's a half an argument. A very good point. Not a great deal of space for the shopping, but you do look very stylish pulling into uh, the petrol station. I tell you what, it'd be an ideal shopping car for me because I normally go and then come back and have only bought half the things I was supposed to buy because I bump into someone I know, I start talking. <laughs> so how am I supposed to finish the meal with the four, three of the four ingredients I asked for? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, OK. I like we'll, the we'll challenge. Provide a solution, indeed. More fuel for Lewis Plato, so now that's the flip side, isn't it? Victor Scheitel lost places, but Lewis Plato's now, BMW is pretty thirsty, so he has dropped from third to fifth in one fell sweep, and plugging the gap, the Attempto Racing Audi of Alex Acker, so 99 up to fourth position. RPM Racing's Philipp Hamprecht in the second 992 Porsche joins what is now Jack Barwell in the BMW, briefly in the fueling area, as Jack was exiting the quadrant, which is limited, remember, to 20 kilometres per hour for fuel. The RPM Racing Porsche arrives there. Otherwise, though, a relatively quiet fueling area at this time of night. Everybody else getting stuck into some decent lappery. Although, as I say, we can't be too far away now from Simon Reicher and Dominic Bauman, both needing to come in for some fuel. Lewis Plato, the first of that leading trio to blink, and after 26 laps, it looks like Reicher and Bauman might be able to squeeze 27 laps out of it, but surely at that point, they will need to be coming in. What was extraordinary, or remains extraordinary, in this battle between Simon Reicher and Dominic Bauman, first and second, is the fact that the gap between them early in the stint was 43-44 seconds. It was halved and it stayed at around 22-21 seconds ever since. The Bauman got the get speed Mercedes, you know, not within touching distance, but certainly it was looking good. But since then it's absolutely stabilised. And if anything, Simon Riker is now just marginally faster. Oh, one thing I've never noticed on the timing screen before is a bar that says which fuel pump is now available. Pump number nine if you're interested, but um, it's one thing seeing that message and the other thing, it's still being available by the time you've got your car down the pit lane towards it. One car that's not on the pumps is uh, the number 22 Century Motorsport BMW because that was brought in and uh, Jack Barlow took it over and he's got the fuel in the car and he's got uh, that M4 GT3 back onto the track. Still leading GT3 Pro-Am by a smaller margin now, admittedly, but sixth overall. He was third, admittedly promoted from fourth position when one of the cars in front of him uh, came in. That's the Proton Huber competition Porsche and since it's gone back out, and that has moved back to third. Victor Scheiter still on board. I wonder whether that fuel pump message is actually was actually more significant earlier on, as in pump nine was effectively failed, out of use okay. for a spell, 
And that, now the message to everyone is that you can use it again. Yeah, I was going to say that makes far more sense. Either I just had a fade, I've had my screen scrolled up so I haven't seen the blue bar, or otherwise it'd be flashing the whole time. Number four is available, number three. Personal, like, personal number two can't find their wallet. There's always one in the fueling station. I was going to say it'd be like standing in the queue for the post office or for your next available kiosk at a railway station and flashing uh, almost three or four times a minute. But on occasion, they do have dramas with uh, fuel pumps not playing ball. Fixed very quickly, generally speaking, and it looks like uh, Pump 9 is back in action. Uh, yeah, the, the teams will send a designated member down to that part of the pit lane. Well, it's more like the paddock, actually, rather than the pit lane itself. And then there's some radio traffic, walkie-talkie or the like, to say there is a, there are several pumps available and this is a good time to pit. On the other occasions, when there's a Code 60, you get so many cars in the fueling quadrant. Sometimes cars will make their stop, they'll have a tyre change, a driver change, but they'll be sent directly past the fueling area because there's just not the availability. Well, that blue bar has another message now. Slow car on track in Sector 2, right at the end of the Sector 2. Unfortunately for CP Racing, I think it's Darren Law who seems to have stopped just going out of Turn 12, the, the right-hand hairpin at the top of the slope there, and that is uh, not going anywhere fast at the moment. So the car that was, let's double-check, still leading GT3 Am, yes, in fifth position overall. I think it's got going again. It's probably about to come into the pits, or maybe he's going to continue. Should be completing the lap right now. Yes, still in fifth place, but it had a moment. Just got to double check if that's good. No, here it is coming, coming uh, back slowly at the end of the. Oh, gosh, it's very slow. The cameras have caught it now. Uh, turning into turn 14, the uphill corner that then continues up the hill through 15, then you turn right, and then it should be able to feed into the pit. So, don't know what's untoward, but Darren Law doing a fantastic job staying, well, in fact, outside the edge of the circuit at turn 14 to be on the safe side. Can't see if that car's got a puncture, certainly at night but the, the lights in front blaring away I thought the front left was looking a little low but I think that's the shadow according to where the floodlights are catching it as much as anything as well but uh, for CP Racing it'd be going so so strongly in fifth overall that's now fallen down to eighth overall so close for the cars behind just looking at stink length only an hour so there could have been a bit more time in that in hand so clearly I think it's a mechanical problem or an incident that have uh, slowed Darren Law and that is no longer in the lead of GT3 and because that's gone to Chris Salkeld in the number 14 Century Motorsport BMW. Oh, almost at the halfway point in the race. Moments can happen at any particular point in time and for CP Racing running like a train, it's hit them just now. There is never a time to relax, rest on your laurels. There's certain, I suppose, phases of a stint where you think, well, we're in a groove now, can't hear any nasty noises from the car beneath me the team half of them may be getting some sleep and let's just try and keep this uh, this run as trouble free as possible but uh, you need only really stray away or let your concentration wane very briefly and then something in an endurance race will happen and often at the worst possible moment cp racing's mercedes then up on the dolly jacks and heading into the garage just as i was saying that car was starting to establish its own rhythm up to sixth position in the race but darren laura's brought it in for what should have been a routine stop after 28 laps and if the mercedes can do 28 then simon Riker in the audi from east talent should be able to do about that but don bauman squeezed 29 laps out of this current edition for his time behind the wheel 
that might be just a little bit of fuel save here and there as well to extend these stints for as much as possible. To give you a time, Bauman took that car over at 20 to midnight, roughly speaking. So we are, well, we're about an hour on, actually, and there were a couple of yellow flag laps within that. So maybe not in danger of running short of fuel, quite as I was suggesting. He, he took it about a minute and a half before Simon Riker emerged in these talent. Uh, so we'll call it a lap, but a lap under green as opposed to a lap yeah. under Code 60, which is more like four minutes longer than that. It's around uh, just under five and a half minutes. But in the latter stages of both of these stints, they hit the one-hour mark in their stint. They're lapping when clear in the 203s. And it used to be easy for Dominic Bauman, but he's slow, he slowed down because he's coming to the pits. So I was going to say he was high 203s versus two low two minutes and three second laps for Simon Riker. Now Dominic Bauman, who's blinked first, brought the get speed Mercedes in from second place overall. The gap between them before it was uh, elongated by the, the chasing Mercedes going to the pits was 22 seconds. That's the number we need to remember. Yeah, and uh, those cars out front should be fine then for, well, a few more laps before we do see them on the pit lane and uh, a chance for Simon Riker to try and stay in front of Dominic Bauman for a little longer. The gap's stabilised to 22-odd seconds and it will be Don Bauman who comes in first of all. Well, they pitted a lap apart, Bauman slightly before Riker around about 60 minutes to go and it's looking like that uh, stagger will be maintained for the end of these stints too. Right, very battered looking Audi RS3 in the pits, front right hand corner certainly missing to a large extent, you can see far more of the wheel than you expected, that's 138, that's the um, better place the two Audi, Simpson Motorsport with uh, Andre Muraveka in that car and a very very late driver change in there, Oliver Webb has popped into that one. There have been quite a few late changes. I mean, J.M. Littman was a late change to one of the two Ginettas. He's, uh, we heard he was uh, lurking with intent, his helmet and his racing licence, and his bag of enthusiasm, which never runs dry. And uh, so he's found himself a driving that. In fact, in previous years, he ha uh, J.M. has uh, raced one of those RS3 Audis. He's raced almost everything, but, uh, bar the top-class cars here. So a lot of people have huge enthusiasm for this race, but it keeps us commentators on our knees, on our knees, on our on our toes. Sometimes on our knees because they're completely exhausted, uh, just by very very late changes. But it's the nature of racing. You know, when I started going to Le Mans just before the race was invented, they, um, you know, you never knew who was in the race because an entry list. You know, now we have drivers who compete in regular cars in the World Endurance Championship, plus others in the leading prototype championships around the world, the Adrian Le Mans series and uh, obviously the IMSA WeatherTech series as well. But back then, you never knew. someone might turn up with a car. I mean, I have an engine. I remember one year someone telling us, I think the Tuesday of Le Mans week, he said, oh, I've sourced an engine for my car. It's a Volvo engine. I'm going to stick it. In. We said, what did you get that from? Someone's estate car. And uh, so it went. But, you know, it was very, very freeform back in the 1980s. And in fact, when you look back through the histories, the early 90s as well, it was pretty ropey. There were some cars that, frankly, were never going to last 24 hours, and that has been the quantum leap forward in sports car racing. It's now super, super professional. Slightly, I miss those old days. You might call it romantic, but it was just the sheer degree of variety you had. But actually, the closing speed of some of those cars in the night down the Mulsanne Strait was really quite hideously frightening, now I think about it. But at the time, it's contemporary. You think it's as good as it can be. True. And, uh, well, it certainly grabs the attention and also um, pops up the... The blood pressure gets the excitement flowing, certainly. Now, 
it. Has that Audi pulled away the 138 that was missing the front right body panel, the fender? Um, from a certain angle, it almost looked like a NASCAR wheel and modified machine. If you've ever watched that uh, for real or on its TV coverage, um, cars that are effectively space frame chassis with a little bit of bodywork here and there, but massively wide, tyres are just superb. Um, warts and all racing, if you like, but I love watching it. And uh, yeah, just as that Audi pulled away, it almost looked like an Audi was attempting to be in a, a NASCAR Whaler modified race. Just wouldn't have sounded quite as fruity as those no wheeling cars. They are the business in terms of that. Uh, but clearly, AC, but clearly, Simpson Motorsport are happy for that to pound round for a few more laps, a few more stints, quite possibly, without refitting a, uh, a, a new wing. It might be they haven't got the spare bits. It might be that whatever left is preventing them from actually putting a flush new component on top. I think, frankly, nothing is flapping, so they're just putting it out back in the race again. There's nothing that's going to break off. It's already broken off, and um, that's not a very technical description, but 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 in a way, it sort of is. On yeah. the cover of darkness, it's nothing that's going to suddenly fly off when a car gets up to speed. Uh, so there it is, running the two Audis together in uh, 38th and sorry, 39th and 40th position. But the important thing for Javi Kundu, who's just taken over, over that car, sorry, uh, Kavi Jundu, got his name back to front there, Simpson Motorsport, he is leading the TCR class, leading the TCR TCR class as well, so there you have it. The battle is on between the two Audis, Simpson Motorsport have bragging rights at the moment, AC Motorsport, Paul Seniors, who was actually a long way clear when the race was still in daylight for AC Motorsport, is back in second place, the gap between them is five minutes, but that should come down because uh, the time in the pits with the changeover to Kavi Jundu, you know, really will have compressed that time, but he's uh, had the fuel gone back out into the race. Christian Trava also in for Fakalta Tech for some fuel. Fakalta Tech have been fighting uh, some suspension issues with, it was that car, wasn't it, the 961, which is at least now into the fueling area. The 962 numbered car for Oop van Eindhoven that was right up there in the opening 30 minutes, dicing for the race lead. That has uh, dropped down now to 11th position when you combine the 992s uh, from the 992 standard and the 992 AM categories. But Oop van Eindhoven, a real talent from uh, Porsche Carrera Cup racing in Northern Europe. And unsurprisingly, on this lap, he's just done a sector time that is the best for that particular car. So maybe Fakalta Tech uh, are back on an upward curve. It'd be great to see them back in the top 10 of 992. You know, we saw that uh, GT4 BMW from Century Motorsport in the pits with the uh, damage to its uh, was it right rear corner, left rear corner? I can't remember. Anyhow, they've been pinged with a 15-second time penalty for causing a collision. So they weren't attacked. They were doing the attacking or maybe just moving across into someone else. So in the overall matter of this race, coming in for a 15-second time penalty isn't going to be make or break because the GT4 class is uh, nowhere near as populated as some of the others. Uh, that car, though, has fallen to the last place in the class, which is third overall. But when running, it has competitive pace. So for the gang in the GT4 BMW from Century Motorsport, there's still plenty to play for, and it's Piers Johnson at the wheel at the moment. Alex Acker into pit lane in the Attempto Racing Audi from fourth place. So that should mean that Jack Barlow can step up a spot again. And it'll be almost as you were although with Proton Uber competition moving up a position as well. Still the cars really at this stage away from the race leader, 
second, third, fourth and fifth are tending to chop and change quite a bit with every time a pit stop is served by one or more than one of those cars. Chris Salkeld, who gave a very honest interview earlier on, and the number 14 car back in the command of Chris, so that means that the two-century motorsport BMW M4s are running fifth and sixth, ahead of Salasin by Cox Racing's Porsche, Dennis Rotera. And uh, another quick check of the GTX leader, still revealing that the Ginetta G56 of Mike Simpson now uh, leading the way. That Ginetta's been as the, the class leader for some many hours now, 7.95. And we last checked had Lawrence Tomlinson driving it. Well, it's... Uh, Ginetta factory driver Mike Simpson, long time Ginetta factory driver Mike Simpson now at the wheel. One driver stepped in in between, young Nico Prost, of course. Yes, he did. We had Father Tomlinson, that's Lawrence, and then Freddie Tomlinson, who's still green in his racing but gaining experience with every year, also in that mix. But the good news for them, they were one and a half laps clear in the GTX class. They're now two laps clear of uh, the KTM uh, crossbow from Razoon More Than Racing. That's got Arta Quist about to complete another lap. And it's lap pace at the moment. The chasing KTM has just done a two minute, eight second lap, whereas Toro Verde's car, two minutes, seven on the nose. So with each lap, they're gaining a bit more. But then with Mike Simpson on, the, on board, that G G56 Cup car, new for 2024, you'd expect him to be pulling clear, doing exactly what he's in the squad for. Right, gap between first and second is now the gap between East Talent Racing, their Audi, still in front after that pit stop, but I want to see what the gap is next time around. Victor Scheiter had made his pit stop somewhat earlier, the Proton Huber Racing Competition Porsche, that's car number 83, Listers, four minutes and 11 seconds in arrears, plus a lap. Wait to see where the get speed Mercedes slots in as well. You always get that hiatus for about a lap and a half after someone's reported to the pits before we can absolutely place them where they are together but certainly before the pit stop Simon Reicher had a lead of it was 23 22 23 seconds uh, ahead of the get speed Mercedes Anthony Bartone the American racer has taken that over and he'll be getting up to speed in the number nine Mercedes but I did say to you 22 seconds remember that timing interval if someone has a little spin out on the circuit you could hear the the tire the tire squeal being picked up by the cameras but when it settles down we'll see how close that gap is has it gone out in advantage East Talent Racing team well and it's in the pits now, so there we are. Well, that's where we see the time coming down. He did two extra laps versus the get-speed Mercedes, I think, in that. Yeah. He, was a, he came out a lap later, so maybe it was only one, actually. 31, uh, sorry, 34 laps I make it, whereas Dominic Bauman on, only did 30. So four extra laps for Simon Riker. It wasn't the number 54 Audi that was spinning somewhere close to our effects, Mike, because Simon Riker has made it safely into pit road. That puts 290 laps in the books, and we're now only seven and a half minutes from another crucial milestone in the 19th edition of the Dubai 24 Hours. That will be half distance. And yes, it's one o'clock in the morning, but people will be thinking, we've made it this far and we're vaguely still in the hunt for a good result within our classification, within our category, and that will be a massive fillet, I'm sure, for the, the back nine to continue that golf terminology as the East Talent Racing Team Audi heads into the fueling area to set up uh, this uh, particular race-leading Audi for another probably 70-odd minute stint. 
Yeah, well, the car that went for a little spin was at turn 14, so the camera was roughly pointing in the right direction, but didn't quite pick it up. It was just giving a panoramic shot, but whoever did spin there appears to have got going again. So I simply can't tell you, by going down everybody's lap time and working out who had a slow lap, just checking it wasn't their out lap from the pits. Somebody who's still in the pits is Darren Law, unfortunately. That was the car leading GT3 Am. It's fallen to 15th place overall, and the time in the pits has really cost it about six, seven laps, I would estimate. So that's massive for the very popular Mercedes crew, such uh, firm supporters of the championship. Uh, the little Lotus is struggling in the hands of uh, Stefano Daste, and uh, it took him quite a lot more than I would have expected through the final sector. So did the Lotus spin? Yeah, his lap time was, I noticed before, he was doing about 2 minutes 21. But that was a 2.44. The first sector on the next lap now is almost double what it should be. Ah. So I don't know whether that's a more significant problem for the Lotus, and perhaps it's touring round unless the spin has meant that it just did not get up to full speed on the front. It is straight. touring round, there is bodywork rubbing, and oh, the front left wheel is not at the right angle at all, about to come off by the looks things. He's going out of turn 14, it's flailing around, it's still encased within the wheel arch, and the car puffing, surprising, unsurprisingly, as the front bodywork drags on the track. He's got to the pit entrance, he's got to take the 90-degree turn to the right to enter the pits. One of the reasons he's managed to get back to the pit so quickly is he's completely bypassed the middle sector. So this is uh, one of the tricks of the Dubai circuit in that you get about a third of the way down the back straight, turn sharp right, and who can blame Stefano, frankly, because one wheel is almost fully detached from this Lotus. It's a harem scarem uh, way to be entering the pits at five to one in the morning, and let's hope that everybody in the near vicinity of uh, the Lotus's garage is well aware of uh, the state of disrepair this Lotus is going to arrive in. And let's hope that when the, when the Lotus stops, that front left wheel also stops at the same rate. Yeah, but the good news is for them, they were very early in the pit lane. Their pit garage is about six uh, garages down into the pit lane rather than going the whole way down towards the far end. And uh, front left-hand corner, absolutely unattached, still within the wheel arch, thank goodness. Going to be quite hard to shove back into the garage. Well, they need a dolly jack to do it, but uh, the Lotus somehow manages to pivot around. So good work from the crew. Can't get quite enough log. Who'd have thought that with the front right-hand corner, <laughs> left-hand corner hanging off? Yes. Well, every credit to Stefano Daste for some heads-up driving, realising that he wouldn't make the full lap and uh, able to get back in so that at least the team can push this car back into the garage and our RF camera following this manoeuvre all the way through. In fact, they've arrived at the Huber Motorsport crew, or is that just the backing of Huber Motorsport? They are in the right garage here, aren't they, I assume? Yes, because there's a great big toolbox uh, that says Good. Lotus on the front of it. <laughs> that, that's often a clue. I was just slightly confused by some of the, uh, some of the partition there showing the Huber Motorsport name. But there yeah. may be a tie-in that I wasn't aware of. Well, bear in mind that uh, an awful lot of the cars are in multiply stacked within garages. And with only 55 cars coming here this weekend, there is more space. Sometimes you have some cars being worked on, you think. But there's some other ones being worked on further back. What happens if their work is completed before the ones at the front? And uh, so with a slightly smaller field for the forced logistical issues we had that moved the race back two weeks, it has given them a bit more space certainly when you manage to get your work done without people peering over your shoulder or trying to push a car past it's rather more relaxing let's hope 
uh, Lotus PB Racing could get that one sorted out. But a good job from Stefano D'Asti. I wonder how long before that he was thinking, I'm not sure this feels quite right, and then kudumpf, front corner drops down. So, yeah, the cut-throughs are very, very useful here. And, uh, again, experience. If someone forgot to tell the driver, imagine them doing it and they never raced here before, trying to do an entire lap like that. That would uh, be over and out, but also more to the point, you probably have a car in trouble. One that does appear to be in trouble is the um, Bentley Continental, car number 31, going very slowly down the infield straight, trying to work out why that has suddenly lost pace. Last time we saw it, it had uh, Max Lynn at the wheel. I'm just trying to identify, it's still Max Lynn, he's in 13th overall. His previous lap was relatively competitive for two minutes five, but he just seemed a bit bit slow down the back straight. I don't know, looking at his sector times, running as I say 13th overall. Yeah, not massively uncompetitive. It might have been the camera angle I was looking at. Maybe he was just braking a bit earlier than the lower class cars in front of him because he's got a heavier car to bring to a halt. But no, it doesn't look as though it's running to my eye, Johnny, quite at the pace it ought to be running for mm. Max Lynn. Yeah, that will be a concern. They've had, we've had uh, anti-lock braking issues on that car, and of course a modern-day GT3 car, of which, by the team's admission, this is not at the real cutting edge. You know, we're not talking about a 2023 spec GT3 car. The Bentley still eligible for global GT3 competition, but only for this season, 2024 and 2025. So there are one or two gremlins maybe still on new cars that have recently been acquired by, uh, by Sean Lynn. Two of them, I reckon, for after they competed for a good period of time in the United States. Let's head to Chris Milbourne. We're heading towards the night stacks, the snack stage of the proceedings for our cameraman and quite possibly Chris as well. But before he heads off, let's grab this. Of course, I've got Stefano Daste here, the, the man that bought the Lotus in with the sparks flying from the left front. What happened? And uh, in the last stint, uh, we broke uh, the front uh, upright suspension. And uh, now uh, we broke uh, the, the, the one from the downside, uh, because probably from the brake uh, before it was a little bent and it didn't work uh, properly. And uh, yes, uh, unfortunately, uh, I broke uh, in the last corner, and so I had to do one lap, uh, one complete lap. Then I cut it because I couldn't finish, and, uh, and then I came back. But uh, yes, we are, now we have uh, to change the suspension. And do you think the team will get it repaired in time? Do you think you have enough time left to repair it? Yeah, yeah, we have enough time. Uh, naturally, unfortunately, we do not have uh, here a lot of uh, spare parts uh, because uh, we sent uh, the car over by air freight at the last minute uh, because uh, our exige uh, didn't arrive due to the war in Yemen. And uh, so we uh, had the chance uh, just uh, to send uh, the car and two pallets. So we brought what we could. And uh, no, but uh, we have enough time to repair it. Thanks, Stefano, for talking to us there. Thank you so much. Thanks. Not a great way to start the second half of this race, is it? This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.